Pokémon. I'm saying as a Mormon girl, that's like her whole no, purpose true. Oh, is no, to true. like very true. go home and obey her husband. Yeah, very true. Okay, well, let's start. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that really quick little rant of ours. After that little rant. Uh, hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? We are your slutty hosts. I'm Channa. And I'm Corey. And welcome to episode 23. We're at 23, y'all. Motherfucking 23. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're I like here. 23. That's a fun number. That's what we said about 22. What, really? Yeah. It, well, f- numbers are fun. Okay. <laughs> if you don't like fun, you know what? You know what I thought this week? What? I was like, you know, you know, it was like a simpler time when all you needed to do is be a friend with somebody is you needed to know what color they liked and what was their favorite dinosaur. Oh, yeah, yeah. I li- like literally was like, damn, that was fun. Being an adult's hard now. <laughs> Remember in kindergarten where you're like, your favorite color is red and you like a T-Rex? Hell yeah, we're friends. You're like, hell yeah, Jimmy boy. Yeah. We're What's your homies. favorite Power Ranger? Obviously the Red Ranger, but yeah. Uh, see, I'm too young to relate to the Power Ranger thing. That's true. And I was just at the end of it. Yeah. I was just like the last year or two of it. Yeah. So what's your favorite number since you said numbers are cool? I like 11. 11, classic. 11's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And it's always been my favorite since like seventh grade. Why is there a... Um, I just, uh, in basketball, I picked number 11 because oh, I liked how it looked. And cute. then I really liked it, I liked it since then. Cute. Yeah, I like 11. I like 7, of course. Most people like 7. Yeah, 7's solid. 13 because, yeah. That's my family's lucky number is 13. Oh, yeah. Because every single, like, property that my grandparents have owned, it's always been lot 13. And, like, 13's always been, like, super significant in my family. Like, I graduated high school, like, June 13, 2013. Like, my 13th year, like, my 13th birthday was, like, crazy and this and that. Like, we've always been on lot 13. Like, like 13's always been super significant. I mean, I like 22 because March is, my birthday's on 22nd. Mm. And then I do like 23. I don't know why. Yeah, 23 is a good one. Yeah, those are probably my f- my four favorites are 11, 13, 22, and 23. Nice. Those are probably it. I like 17 because that's my birthday. Nice. So obviously it has and to be And then 69, favorite. duh. Yeah, and 69. I like 420, and 69, 420, 666. And then 616 six, six, six. <laughs> <laughs> because there's actual archaeological evidence that 666 is actually 616. Really? Yeah, before it was 666. That's a spooky scoop. Yeah, I've there's like a... One trash piles are like really big for archaeologists it's like a gold mine is a trash pile so they found like an ancient egyptian trash pile hmm. along a while ago not a long time but a while ago it's 616 instead of and they used 616 as mark of the beast instead okay. of 666 well that's gonna be a i'm gonna go in depth about that one yeah. day for a spooky scoop mm-hmm. so thank you Corey, for the future spooky yeah, scoop yeah bitch yeah so let's jump into let's oh i have announcements oh no do announcements and then we'll go to fag effects. i have announcements shout outs fag effects spooky scoop <laughs> and <laughs> then we have to pause and then we have a p twerk break yeah to listen to ariana grande and flip our ponytails yeah so motherfucking announcements bitches listen up y'all because this is it the announcements yeah. i'm giving is delicious yeah. $50 Amazon oh, yeah. gift card giveaway. I'm not doing the rest of the song because I don't 
You are not that gay. I am not that gay. <laughs> I can see it. I can say it. I want it. I got it. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, it's, yeah. It's going to turn it. from Fergalicious to Ariana Grande. To Ariana Grande. So, we just like span 10 years right there, y'all. $50 Amazon gift card giveaway, ladies and gentlemen. We've talked about this for a couple weeks now. So this is like my third or fourth time saying this. So Bitch. listen up. We all love Amazon, obviously. You can get anything from Amazon, from dildos to voodoo chips to Bibles to strap-ons. What else do you need than those four things? Cat collars, ball gags, gags. the Bible, I already said that. You name it. The Book of Mormon, if you want. You can get anything on Amazon. So, of course, getting $50 for Amazon is the gift that keeps on giving. It's your dream come true. So you want $50 from Amazon. We want to give you $50 from Amazon. How you would do that is you would enter to win our $50 gift card by rating us on iTunes, uh-huh. and that equals one entry, or rating us and leaving a review, that equals two entries. two entries. Take a screenshot of that, slide into our DMs, send us that screenshot, whether that's through Insta, Facebook, or Gmail, and uh, we will add you to our giant list of people that are submitting their reviews. And then on uh, May 1st, we will announce the winner on Instagram, and then on May 6th, that episode will go through the winner again. Cute. So you can, like I said, you can send it to us through Instagram, which is Anyways How's Your Sex Life, or Twitter or Facebook, which is AHYSL Podcast, or you can go to our website, which is AHYSLpodcast.com, and you can contact us directly through our website. Now, if you don't send us a screenshot and you leave us a review, I can't find you. Thanks for the review, but I can't find you, so I can't enter you into our giveaway. So make sure you send us a screenshot. And also to clarify, this is a review on iTunes, just to clarify Yeah, again. on iTunes. If you want to leave a review on like Stitcher, go for it. But this is a specific iTunes Amazon gift card. Yeah, we'll send you giveaway. a Simone butthole pick. Yes. Oh, I think we did also make promises that we'd send yes. you like voodoo chips yes. and like nudes, shit like that. So we'll do that. you want it. So you want it. You got it. You, enter you like it, the giveaway. That's my announcement. Now, shout outs. I only have a few shout outs today. I'm just reading off their Insta handles. So first shout out is, I'm going to spell this one out, B-E-R-E-G-A-R-0215. Nice. Next shout out is to Andy underscore Allison. Next shout out is to Jamie dot D'Andrea. I'm sure I'm saying all these names wrong. Next one is Jason Giamarco. I'm definitely saying that one wrong. Uh, next one is Brian underscore Cruz 88. I think I nailed that, that one. one. And the last one is. <laughs> thanks, Brian, for being white as fuck. Yeah, thanks, Brian Crew, <laughs> for being. He's like not white. <laughs> he's like, fuck you guys. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just assume his race? <laughs> if you're not white, please like send us shit. <laughs> <laughs> he like sends us a picture of shit. He's like, fuck you, Corey. <laughs> and the last shout out is to Fix Paula underscore. Fix Paola underscore P-A-O-L-A. Paola? Paola. Paola. Mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. I'm Chana. I'm very white. So <laughs> Fix Paola underscore. Those are my shout outs. Why they got a shout out is because they either made us laugh this week. They made us smile. They made us horny. They made horny. us feel something. So if you yeah. want a shout out, make me feel things because I'm a sociopath. Make me feel things because <laughs> I don't feel anything otherwise. Because I don't feel any emotion unless it's through Instagram. <laughs> or kit, or cats or, or Jordan. Or Jordan's dick. Dick. <laughs> that is my shout outs. Those were my announcements. I'm finally done. Hell yeah. Okay. So y'all, this faggot fact is going to be about Tennessee Williams because I said I'd do it and I'm going to try and do things that I say I would do. (laughs) Oh, yes. Wait, before you begin. Yeah. Corey, are you from Tennessee? I'm not. Because you're the only 10 I see. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyways, we're so glad that Chan is a straight male at a bar picking up some girl. Yep, bro. No homo. She would fail. <laughs> <laughs> or would she, you know? Who knows? Depending Who knows? on the bar. The Westerner, I would totally succeed. I mean, you just have to be hot enough. So That's true. You could say anything. And you can I'd buy anything like, sure, with okay. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Just don't be creepy and be hot as fuck. And you could say almost anything. Yeah. Almost anything, almost I anything. guess. <laughs> okay, so... Mine today, again, about Tennessee Williams, and it's a doozy, y'all. I, I tried to, like, do broad strokes, but half of the time I was just like, no, that doesn't do him justice. So I'm going to give you information, and I might just be skimming through it really quickly and then to get to the good stuff. So what I'm going to give you first is, like, something, some stuff about his childhood yes, and then some stuff about his actual career. Okay. And then I'm going to go do the gay shit. Gays. Okay, so who for those of y'all who don't know who Tennessee Williams is, and I didn't know, and this is partially why I did it because he showed up at our uh cafe lafitte yes the Um, the foot fetish cafe yeah he was a ghost there because he used to spend time there um he is a playwright and he has written a lot of plays like a shit ton of plays and he's also done a lot of screenplays for really well-known movies that that you know like uh the the biggest one is a streetcar named desire okay he's done that cool is it streetcar named desire or it is life of a salesman I forget. I always get those two mixed up because of Paul <laughs> but he's Newman one of and those. Marlon Brando. Okay. And I just, I can't, we'll get to it and we'll surprise ourselves. <laughs> it's a okay. little fun present for us in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So Thomas uh, Laner Williams III, he was born in Columbus, Mississippi, and he was the second child of uh, his parent, his parents. We don't say it. Okay. So his father was a traveling shoe salesman who became an alcoholic and was fre- frequently away from home. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. He was a hardy pioneer man and as such had a short temper. And on top of that, his alcoholism, like those, that combination made him abusive. Oh, like, frankly, just to say. This is the beginning of a true crime segment, I feel. Yeah. So he like <laughs> he didn't like the fact that uh, because Tennessee Williams like grew up with him and showed some quote unquote like effeminate attributes yeah. that his father saw in him, he would give him shit for it Aww. and literally beat him for it. Aww. Yeah. And like, like, yeah, it was really mean. That's horrible. Um, I don't know how crazy mean, so let's just not, we don't need to go into it, but he but he's did, definitely an asshole. It did say he was pretty much an asshole to him. Yeah. So, um, he eventually goes to the university of Missouri in Columbia from 1929 to 1931. And that's where he enrolls in a journalism classes and he becomes the first freshman to receive an honorable mention in a writing competition. Oh, wow. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Go him. So we can already see that his writing is starting off like in college it's going on. Um, at the university, he didn't really fit in with his frat bros, of course. And it literally says his fraternity brothers. He didn't really fit in with them. They're like, yo, rape this girl. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, but they're like, yo, it's 1929. It's fine. They're like, no homo, bro. He's like, what the He's fuck? He's like, well, I didn't even touch you. <laughs> they're like, but no homo. <laughs> no homo. Rape her about it. No. <laughs> you don't rape her. No homo. You're a homo. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a fraternity and that's not how you guys are, prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. <laughs> no, I'm sure now it's not like that. But maybe 1929, we're not far off. I don't know. There's like still rape cases happen all the time this with frats. True. We do not think y'all that all frat bros rape people. We do not. But we all have a better reputation. <laughs> <laughs> but your reputation sucks. Just fucking saying. <laughs> okay, so um he didn't fit in with those kind of people. None of us do. <laughs> I hope not. Um and basically he also fi- failed a military training course which was like the last straw for his father. So he pulled him out of school and put him in- to work at the International Shoe Company factory. Whatever that is, you know? Okay. So basically the monotony of this nine to five drove him to set a goal of writing one story a week. 
So like after a couple years or a couple months of writing here, he was like, fuck this, I'm done. I'm going to like, you know, follow my dream of writing. And I'm like, I get home from work and I'm writing. So this is some like a verbatim like thing that his mother recalled about his like intensity of writing. That's inspirational, especially for you, Corey. Oh, no, seriously. Yeah. And so she says, Tom would go to his room with black coffee and cigarettes and I would hear the typewriter clicking away at night in the silent house. Some mornings when I walked into walked in to wake him from work, I would find him sprawled, fully dressed across the bed, too tired to remove his clothes. So that's just wow. a nice little insight. And I yeah. thought that was important, but probably just because I also am an aspiring, aspiring writer. So that was important to me. Also disillusioned by his shitty job and his lack of su- success in writing by the age of 24, he suffered a mental breakdown. Mm. Woo, go girl. Naturally. <laughs> I'm, I'm on track for that. Same. I'm just, at, I'm just at like a lull of a breakdown. It's just like, I'm not like at a crazy ass one like point. It's just like constant in the background. I had to take a Xanax <laughs> at Red Robin. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's where we are. <laughs> Within a year, Williams uh, then just like enrolled in Washington University in St. Louis. And that's where he started to work. In, he got a BA in English there. And then also he later went to this dramatic workshop of the New York school, oh. New York school in New York City. That's what it's fucking called. Oh. So this is where he also, from his we we got his writing background, and now we're getting into his play or his acting background. So he he writes in his memoir, "The laughter enchanted me. Then and there, the theater and I found each other for better or for worse. I know it's the only thing that saved my life." Like, he literally wrote I that. I get that. That's how I was in theater. Theater yeah. does that to people. It saves you. Yeah. Especially like, for, like, a, a gay man during that time. In the 1930s, like, yeah. Like, theater would be the only place you can find anyone that's like you, that's willing to even say they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I almost went into theater, and I wish I would have had, would have done both, but it was, like, really intense and hard to do band and theater. Yeah. They really, like, you know, theater people frowned frowned on it and then band people frowned on it they're like choose one bitch oh i get that because i was the theater side and you're the band side yeah yeah they're like choose one bitch because you gotta (laughs) dedicate your heart and soul to fucking theater or you're Uh a stupid bitch i get it so um it was around this time um in 1939 when he goes to this new york workshop uh for dramatic arts that he adopted tennessee williams as his professional name so um using some money now we're getting into his career so using some money he won from a playwriting contest Williams moved to New Orleans, New Orleans's French Quarter, um, which inspired the setting and characters of some of his plays. During the winter of 1944 to 1945, his play, The Gas, uh, The Gas, sorry, <laughs> The Glass Menagerie. That's how you say that? Menagerie? Yeah, Menagerie. It basically shot him up and like made him really big. It was produced in Chicago and that got people's attention in New York. And he then moves to New York and becomes an instant hit. Um, then he becomes fucking huge with his A Streetcar Named Desire. So, sorry, it wasn't A Death of a Salesman. I think that is uh, Arthur or whatever his name is. Okay. But it is A Death of a Salesman. Sorry. Um, so his, the huge success of his next play, A Streetcar Named Desire, secured his reputation as a great playwright in 1947. And then during the 1940s and 1950s, he uh, is like really good doing a lot of good playwrights. Um, he's living in New York. He's nice. bouncing around back to, to, to Louisiana and stuff. And that's his, this is also a really good time of his life. And we'll get into the gay stuff later. Gays. But he, this is where he meets... Um, at this time in the 40s, he meets this guy named Frank Merlot, and they basically become that like that's their his main squeeze throughout his life. Like they Cute. are together, like on like hard on together for 14 years, hard on. and he says like that is the best, most stable time of his life. Aww. And it's it's really pretty. Also in the 40s and 50s, he does a lot of uh, Broadway plays, as we've said, and 
then it sort of goes downwards in the the, the 60s and 70s. Um, that has a partly to do because his his hubby dies. Oh. Um, and then How he's he just die? like their drug and alcoholism okay. just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and oh. worse and worse. Oh, his hubby dies from cancer of the lungs. Oh. Just smoke. So his last play, A House Not Meant to Stand, was produced in Chicago in 1982. Despite largely positive reviews, it only ran for 40 performances, which I guess is not a lot. I not don't a know. lot at all. Yeah. After that, in 1974, Williams received the St. Louis Literary Award from the St. Louis University Library Associates. And in 1979, four years before his death, he was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame. So that is Aww. a basic overview of his career. So 50, 40s and 50s, great. 60s and 70s, Not especially so the 60s after the death of his beloved. Like it just went downhill, just crazy downhill. Poor guy. So let's get into that a little bit more, his sort of gay life. Let's go back into the 1930s. And after some attempts at re- relationships with women, he actually tried a lot in college to have relationships with women. Didn't really work out because fucking gay. Because he's gay. Um, by the late 1930s, Williams began exploring his homosexuality in New York. Um, and then over the year- years, Williams had numerous flings with men all over the East Coast, New Orleans, and New Mexico and Rome specifically. Ah. Because fuck yeah. Because like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, right? You don't want some big ass like olive skinned Italian guy to just fucking throw you against the wall and choke you out while he just fucks you senselessly. Yum. Who the fuck doesn't want that? And then after <laughs> he eats ravioli out of your pussy. <laughs> out of your pussyoli. <laughs> out of your pussyoli. <laughs> Ravi- ravioli, ravioli, give me the pussyoli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, who would say no to that? <laughs> um, I spilled champagne on my dick. <laughs> so last week, I spilled champagne all over my vagina, and now you're spilling champagne all over your dick. As I'm talking about hot Italian men. <laughs> What's next? Next week, it's going to go over my titties. Next week, Simone's like, champagne. Covered in champagne. <laughs> She's like, you want to fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me. <laughs> Put the lotion on the skin. <laughs> then finally, so like in the 30s when he has this sexual awakening, when it starts in New the York awakening. and he, he starts to like, you know, travel all over. In the fall of 1948 is when he meets um, Merlot. What's his name? Thank you. Yeah. Frank Merlot. And as I've said before, Williams multiple times says this is the most consistent mm-hmm. and beautiful part of my life. Like, it, like when I look back on it, I like wish I had that stability still and that comfort with Frank Merlot. That's like the um, most romantic way to put like a partnership at, like with anybody. It's like, yeah. oh, it's most like stable and like beautiful part of my stable, life. Stable, beautiful and consistent. Yeah. yeah. And consistent, like, that's like comforting. Want, that's like such a wonderful. Like the choke slamming against the wall is fun. Yeah. <laughs> choke slamming, like choke me every day. But like having that like stability and comfort is really what. It is, is what makes it. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And also spitting the mouth helps. <laughs> also spit my fucking mouth and slap me. <laughs> also call me your dirty slut. <laughs> um, so Jordan's listening. He's like, you dirty slut. He's like, you dirty slut. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I mean, even despite this, they did have a lot of ups and downs with both sides cheating, both sides doing it and just like, you know, having being very agitated sometimes because they were both doing still hard drugs and mm. drinking a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was a little bit more. They were doing it together. So they're in it together at the same mm. time. And shortly after their breakup, however, uh, which I actually don't know exactly when that happens. So I guess in 1963, um, Merlot is diagnosed with lung cancer. It is lung cancer. Um, So I guess sometime in 1963, they broke up and then he's diagnosed with lung cancer. But it does say for the next four years, um, Williams and him remain very, very close friends. And he actually sort of comes back to him to take care of him. He literally is just like, I don't care why we broke up. Like, I'm fucking taking care of you until you die. Yeah, because I love you. Yeah. And like, we all fucking live happily ever after. Yeah. In a sad way. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cute. 
Um, so again, as I've said three times, spirals after his death. And I'm going to read this. It says, as Williams grew older, he felt increasingly alone. He feared he feared old age and losing his sexual appear to younger men the most. Aww. Like those are the few, the two things that came with it. And that's what we most all, you know, most all of us fear. Yeah. Is getting old and not being attractive to people. Yeah. That's like, a, that's a. Not like the most important thing, but it's a key thing. Sometimes. Lana Del Rey did an entire song off of it, like based off of that, like the "Will Used to Love Me When I'm No Longer Young and Beautiful." Yeah, no, exactly. It's true. Like, like we all, we all, that's all important to us to a point. In the 1970s, when he was in his 60s, Williams had a lengthy relationship with this guy named Robert Carroll. He was a Vietnam vet- vet- veteran and an aspiring writer in his 20s. So sadly, though, most people close to both of them on both sides were like, this was a mutually bad, bad relationship because they oh. both just, he was a veteran, you know, he would just got home. From, he's from he's all fucked up to he's some point. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And then Williams is just fucked up because he was just been through a lot of life. I didn't even go into stuff about his sister was schizophrenic. Oh. And like, yeah, uh, it's like a whole nother boat, like a whole nother yeah. podcast. So basically they just fueled each other's drug craves yeah. and They're each just other's alcoholism. Other. They were just basically toxic for each other. Um, but again, also, they finally broke it off in 1979 and remained friends until Williams' death in 1983. Um, in 1983, he was found dead at the age 71, and it's not for some crazy thing. He actually just choked on a bottle, a bottle cap. Oh, which that's is a, yeah, which is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just think I'd put it in because everyone's gonna be like, well, "How did he fucking die?" Wow. I would be mad if I like died. Right? If I went through all that shit and I died from bottle cap. No, I was not well, choking I mean, on dick. Yeah, he's 71. He's done a lot of drugs. He's been alcoholic, so he's probably a little bit out of it to a point. Yeah. I would guess. But yeah, I think it was like some. It was some bottle cap that was like for a medical thing, I think, and he chokes on it. That's sad. Yeah, that's sad. Um, so yeah, his legacy is, I'll go through it really quickly. He basically wrote over 38 plays, two novels, many short stories. And then on top of the 38 plays, there were even dozens more that were one act plays. <gasps> I love one acts. Yeah, he, no, he has like oh. dozens, like almost scores. I love, yeah. I um, love one act. He has nine screenplays as well. Uh, most of his his notable works are, these two are both plays and screenplays, is The Glass Menagerie and then A Streetcar Named Desire. Um, and then the play Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, <gasps> um, is uh, he also wrote that. Yeah. What? These are also all movies. A Cat on a Hot Tin Roof a is a movie. A Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is... A Streetcar Named Desire is a movie. And then De- I think he also wrote Death of a Salesman. I think that's why I'm getting confused because I think he wrote both, but I didn't realize I'm it. totally amazed that he wrote A Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah. That's a wonderful one. Um, he didn't write the screenplay for A Cat on a Hot Tim Roof, but he did write the play. I've seen the play. I haven't seen the movie. Um, let me go. Play. No, yeah. It's a streetcar named... Okay, yeah. It's a streetcar named Desire. It's not Death of the Salesman. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so he published a memoir himself in 1975, and one reviewer wrote, if he has not exactly opened his heart, he has opened his fly. Oh, <laughs> That's and then fun. Williams responded specifically to this review, saying that he was offered fifty thousand dollars to write the book, and he assumed that he'd be dead by the time it came. Out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so he literally just shrugs and he's like, "I was giving fucking money. I thought I'd be dead, but yeah, I guess I'm alive." That's hilarious. <laughs> it's cute. Um, in the book, he offers advice on sex with hustlers, recommending that quote penetration be avoided as they are most prefer- most probably all infected with the clap in the ass. <laughs> clap End in quote. the ass. Ew. <laughs> so this is a fun, like, y'all, this is the 70s he's writing this. Um, and he reaccounts his many casual pickups in bars throughout this memoir. In a 2011 article for Time Out, 
It, uh, there's an article written by Paul Burston. I'm going to read what he says. Um, okay. He says, yet his legacy is enormous. In his book, Role Models, John Waters, y'all know John Waters. So you've probably heard of this director. He it, He's the very feminine guy that has the pencil mustache. Okay. He's old now. That's John Waters. Okay. Yeah, he's, re- he's done some um, films to our generation. They won't be super known. But I don't really remember him off the top of my head. But he's John Waters. He's actually very influ- influential in a lot of stuff. I can behind see his face. Yeah, he acts yeah. as well. But he's done. He's done directing. Mm. Yeah, he says that Tennessee Williams saved his life. Why? Because Williams put gay desires on stage at the time when it was almost unthinkable to do so. Nice. so I'm getting Aww. chills. Sorry. Sometimes Aww. you had to read between the lines to understand. But the clues are there. A straight man couldn't have written these plays. Um, also, there's a there's a, some controversy surrounding him. And, and this guy writes as well. Many gay critics find Williams problematic. They focus on the fact that he came out later in life and that his homosexual characters are often on the sidelines or end up or end up dead. And I criticize that not about him because I don't know his works, but about like fucking Game of Thrones, etc. Yeah. Um, but Williams was never one for fitting in. This is a quote from him, and he says, My type doesn't know who I am. And if his gay characters are a little troubling, that's probably because the creator was himself a little troubled. Aw. And so that's Tennessee Williams. Sorry for being so long, but I wanted to do him justice. I love that fag of fact. Yeah. It was wonderful. Well, my spooky scoop is sad. <laughs> it's a sad one. <laughs> so sorry, y'all. We just got serious and sad. That's so, it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to level with you. You're going to get fucking sad. Oh. But oh, my oh, spooky scoop is important. Sad. It's very We're gonna sad. We're going to get fucking sad, y'all. Yeah, but this is important, and this is something that everyone chooses to ignore because everyone knows this exists, but you choose to ignore it because it's so fucked up, but it's important. This is my second-to-last spooky scoop about human trafficking. Um, This one is about child labor. Damn. So all of this info I got is from enslaverynow.org, just to let you guys know. Okay. I'm going to readjust really quick just to, like... Get it. Adjust that clip. Okay, so... Let's jump into this sad shit. Let's get sad. <laughs> so today, current mood today, 2019, March. It's April now. April, April 2019. To this day, more than a quarter of the world's slaves are children. Ooh. These children are forced to commit commercial sex acts, forced into a system of domestic servitude, which we've talked about two episodes ago, um, or employed in occupations that are mentally, physically, socially, and morally harmful. Um, now, this happens because it's cheap. Children la- Child labor is cheap, and children are small. So, like, if you have a job where you need someone to get into a nook and cranny of a warehouse to work on something, just hire a child to do it. Or if you don't want to pay normal wage, you want to pay minimum wage for an unskilled laborer, get a child to do it. It's cheap. Mm-hmm. They're tiny, and they're easily replaceable. Damn. Because there's billions of, you know, there's so many fucking kids. Yeah. Especially if you come to Utah. Um, now, how does this happen? So poverty leads these children to accept the job or their parents ask them to work to supplement the family income. So a lot of the time, like child labor in terms of like working. So this is kind of separate from sex trafficking. But mm-hmm. in terms of working, it happens mainly to people that are in poverty because okay. they it's like an essential for them to get it a makes job. makes sense. Yeah, it yeah, makes sense. Sadly. So now for sex trafficking, online predators and and individuals looking to profit from the sex trade, they pick children that have certain insecurities and vulnerabilities, someone they can easily manipulate and dominate. So they look for very specific children online. Um, It is through this manipulation and domination that traffickers are able to continuously sell and profit from the children. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why, like, you know, if your kids are on Instagram, be careful. If your kids are on Snapchat, be careful because these predators are looking 
for kids actively. They're looking for the emotionally vulnerable or the easily manipulated kids. Now, um, we're going to get into some child sex trafficking right now. So this is when it gets fucking sad. Yeah. Sad, sad, sad. And I'm reading, a lot of this that I'm reading is directly from enslaverynow.org. Just to let you know. So if you want to research this more, I definitely recommend going to their organization. So around the world, an influx in sex tourism, the insatiable demand for child porno and greed play key roles in the prevalence of child sex slavery and trafficking. In addition to strangers, family and close friends have been known to sell children off to individuals, businesses, and groups involved with the sex industry. Once sold, the children are forced to perform commercial sex acts. In the United States and in most countries abroad, any commercial sex with a minor is considered sex trafficking. Now, the standard price for sex at a brothel in the United States is $30. Typically, trafficked children see 25 to 48 customers a day. What? 25 Wait, to 48 customers a day. How did they get that information? It's from enslavery.org. God damn. Looking at busting brothel, brothels, busting sex trafficking rings. Oh, so, shit. Children see 25 to 48 customers a, a day. day. They work up to 12 hours a day, every day of the week, every year. And a pimp earns between 150000 and 200000 per child a year. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was that real. That hor- horrific, that I number. probably didn't want to know it was that real, and that's why I don't. Yeah, because it... This is an issue that people what the fuck? choose to ignore. Do you know where like they go like what countries that this really happens in a lot? Like uh, I'm sure it happens here, but it's like mo- le- it's more underground. It definitely happens in the United States. Yeah. It definitely happens here. Oh, definitely. It happens everywhere. Politicians. I think they probably I mean it happens everywhere. That's yeah. just the thing. Like Shit. it yeah. happens. Yeah. Wherever you're sitting right now, it's happening near you. It could be happening at your neighbor's house. It could be happening at your church. It could be happening anywhere. The hotel next, like down the street, it's happening everywhere. Damn. Uh, And I definitely like in the United States, it's a, you know, it's a problem. Like sex trafficking, there's rings getting busted all the time. It's it's a pretty big problem. Now, um, so can they escape? So abuse and indoctrination mixed with alcohol and drug addiction, it enables the traffickers to enslave these children for Mm. years. Because these kids are getting fucked up they're getting horrific horrific addictions um while they're being abused and it's really difficult to track and find sex traffickers which i've talked about when i talked about sex trafficking a few episodes ago there are organizations out there that are designed to try to help find the sex traffickers where like you take a picture of the hotel room you're staying in you send it to a, a organization they add it to the database the thing about sex trafficking though is you know they'll stay at a hotel for a few nights and they'll move to a, a different hotel or a house or this or that it's so hard to find and catch in the act and let alone like actually find kids so you know for like every you know two kids they find i'm sure there's probably like 10 other kids that they didn't find mm-hmm. so it's it's pretty it's a really hard and difficult thing to actually track and kind of get their hands up and yeah um so let's say they do escape somehow they get found they escape so what happens next so some survivors of child sex trafficking are at first arrested and treated as de- as delinquents what? Um, society prescribed labels of those in the sex industry are often degrading and children feel as if they can't live a normal life anymore because suddenly these kids all they really know is being forced to have sex with 25 to 48 strangers yeah. a day, trying to jump back into a normal childhood. 
life's hard already. You can't do that. Like it's the mental abuse. You're fucked. You're fucked yeah, forever. Yeah, we can't. We can't understand that. Exactly. And they might think that they're stuck living a life of prostitution because they don't know anything else. They yeah. don't know any other way to live. Um, especially you know with children, their minds are so impressionable. Like whatever habits they pick up when they're kids and whatever they deem as a normal everyday life when they're children Mm -hmm. that's how they're going to live forever what they're going to put it's it's horrible now in some cases and in many cultures children particularly girls that have been sexually violated are no longer accepted into their families and communities because they are seen as tainted Mm -hmm. so let's say you get found and you go back to your family and your family has a pretty strict religious upbringing they might kick you out, and then suddenly you're left with no options. Suddenly you're like, the only thing I know I can do is, is be a prostitute. Yeah, be a prostitute. So it's, it's this like vicious cycle. And then on top of that, a lot of them are addicted to drugs or alcohol at this point when they get found. If they get found. If. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. I mean, it's just this vicious, horrible cycle. Yeah. And a lot of the time, like I read about this at other sources. Um, I don't know like the stats on this. But I know some of them, um, in order, like their pimps manipulate them. Like, hey, now if you go find girls or little boys to come work for us like we might actually grant you your freedom so suddenly the people are being trafficked are now becoming the pimps as well it's like this whole vicious violent cycle of addiction abuse of manipulation of i mean it's it's horrific it's horrific now child sexual slavery and trafficking are connected to other forms of slavery children may be forced into domestic servitude like i mentioned earlier um, and along the way, they can be sexually abused by the new family that they work for. At times, minors are forced into marrying um, to the to give the family financial stability or to pay off a debt. We're going to go into forced marriage next week. That's my final human trafficking subject. Um, so all of this that I have to say, I mean, it's also fucked up, the fuckery of sex trafficking, of children's sex trafficking, of child labor. Now, like I mentioned we're all, a lot of people choose to ignore this issue because you're aware this is happening. Yeah. But looking at the facts, like a child's being forced to have sex with f- up to 48 people or more a day is pretty horrific. So if you notice something weird, you know anything, say something. Because one small tip could save a child's life. This is a really serious topic and it should not be ignored or forgotten anymore. Stay informed. Choose to look at these hard facts because yeah. these are not fun to read. This is not fun to research. Look it up. Make yourself understand the fucked up world that we live in and just look around you. Be aware. Like if you see a kid struggling to run away from someone, maybe take note of that because you don't know. Maybe they're running away from their sex trafficker or maybe they're running away from their mom or dad. I don't know. But just be aware. Open your eyes for a second because this is happening everywhere. It could be happening next door. So there are organizations set up all around the world for um, traffic for human trafficking and organization specifically for child sex trafficking. I know Ashton Kutcher has one set up and he saved like, like thousands of people. Oh, that's cute. So if you know anything, just if you want more information or if you want to donate money or you want to get involved somehow, just look up an organization. I'm sure your local town probably has one as well. Look it up, get involved and stay involved. Human trafficking. Human trafficking. Bam. Mic drop. Tennessee Williams. Bam. Now, on that note, to give you guys a 30-second breather, we're going to take a quick twerk slash pee break. We'll be right back. Um, Now, here are our podcast friends, Death by Champagne. Hey, listeners. Looking for a morbid podcast to fill your deadly desires? I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Olivia. The host of Death by Champagne, the podcast here to keep you up at night. Each week, we have a booze-fueled conversation about scary murders, haunted houses, cold cases, tales of the occult, and anything else that's spooky and deadly. 
Find Death by Champagne on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to hear about stories like the demise of the Lemp family, an insane episode on kidnappings, the Beckford hauntings, an episode dedicated to crimes in Australia, and others like Ouija boards, vampires, and cold cases from the Midwest. We release new episodes every Friday, so tune in, get your sage ready, bring your cat keychain, surround yourself in a salt circle, and camp out under the covers. See you then! Okay, so y'all, my spooky uh, thing today are about different ritual games or just scary games that we play like Light as a Feather or Bloody Mary yes yeah so yeah so this is going to be an actual thing that I start to cycle through I'm going to do like you know you know how I sort of cycle through like traditional ghost stories and then I'll do like a demon story and then I'll do like a folklore story Uh or like a cryptid story like a you know cryptids are like the Loch Ness Monster or the Sasquatch or something like that. Okay. Or Chupacabra or something like that. So like the Bunny Man is technically, you could technically say it's a cryptid, but it's more just an urban legend. What's the Mothman, an urban legend? A a, a cryptid. cryptid. He's more of a cryptid than the Bunny Man is. The Bunny Man is probably just more an urban legend. Dead ass though, Mothman. Because the Bunny Man is a man in a bunny suit. Okay, yeah. And Mothman's like a total. Yeah, the Mothman is like a species. Demon moth species. Yeah, yeah. Um, So. What I'm doing today are is going to be the start of basically a segments that I'll I'll it's a little series in, slide in here and there nice. and they're basically just ritual games or scary games that you play at sleepovers. So uh, good examples like you already said is light light as a feather step of the board. I've done that. Bloody Mary done and the that. elevator game. <gasps> so that's sort of like the, the lines. Of the what elevator I'm going game through. that I talked about with Alyssa Lamb. Uh huh. <gasps> I'm not going to talk about it, but those are just examples of what I'm talking about being quote unquote rich. I'm I'm literally coining them ritual games because I it's like a ritual it. that you have to follow and ritual sort of brings a cult and scariness into. The, the title of it is. So I'm calling them ritual games. I love so it. So fucking deal with it. It's my thing. Question okay. for you, Corey. Yes. As a, someone who identifies as a man. Yes. Were you allowed to have sleepovers when you were a kid? Um, yeah, I was allowed to have sleepovers. Okay, so when you did have, when you participated at a sleepover party, yeah. did you guys play these games or was this more happening? No. Okay, because this is told every sleepover I've ever been to. We would go teepee houses and watch movies. So yeah. And then we would like try and find the fuzzy channel with the boob. So I wonder, you're like, great guys, but um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I've always that wondered boo. that because every sleepover ever, like I've done light as a feather, stiff as a board since I was like 10. No, and, like, that's Bloody a total, Mary. it's more of a girl thing. So it's like yeah. definitely more of like a g- little girl sleepover thing uh-huh. with these ritual games. Interesting. We, we would talk about scary things once in a while and I would try and push everybody towards the watching a scary movie. Yeah. And that would happen a lot more in uh, high school because like the parents would be like, whatever, you're yeah. in high school, whatever. Um, but it, when we were little, we would mostly just, you know, hang out, try and go teepee a house. And then Fun. I forgot about teepee. Yeah, or I would even teepee houses in high school too. Cause it I would teepee houses right now. It's so fun. I know. Right. There's so fucking childish it's, and fun. It's I fucking so, love that shit. like you teepee or like door ding dong ditching, like yeah. your friend's house. You're like, ah, as you run away. Yeah. They're so fun. But, but yeah, we wouldn't really do, I don't think I've ever done. I've talked about doing Bloody Mary seriously, but I never did it. I have done it half half of it yeah uh-uh. i get too scared Fuck like it. i i circle what because you like do the water on you say bloody mary bloody mary bloody mary then you like spin around three times yeah i've like got to the second spin i was like nope. you're like fuck no i don't want i don't want to know and now i went into it because i know noob would come fuck with me because he'd be like yeah like, or like around, it's like vaginas out totally yeah. clits out sun's out and clits penis, out both because he's a de- demon sun's out they's out yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um 
Basically, I'm going to start us off. I was going to do three, but then they ended up being too big. Okay. So I'm just doing two. Yes. <laughs> That's what he or she said. <laughs> um, so the first one is Baby Blue, and this is a good sort of like, you know, slip into this because it's basically like Bloody Mary. So I'm going to, with all these, I'm going to do certain like uh, questions and then I will answer them. So Baby Blue, what is it? It is, first of all, it is a game that works just like Bloody Mary, only yes. with a few altercations. And we'll get into them yes. pretty soon. So what do you need to play? You really don't need anything except for you need a bathroom mirror and a <gasps> toilet. And you also, like, this bathroom mirror and this bathroom place needs to be able to be dark. Oh, okay. We're so, playing it. How do you play? Ah! <laughs> I'm so scared. This one, no. After this, it's scary. Uh, I, I will get, I, the next one is spooky as fuck. I currently have chills and you haven't said anything scary yeah. yet. Okay, so how do you play? You go into the bathroom alone or with one person. Most of them say alone, though. Okay? No, I'm going with you, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you then turn off the lights and look into the mirror Fuck. with your arms out like you are, are cradling a baby. So sometimes <gasps> you can be just cradling a baby. So they're like, you know, within six inches out in front of you. Ew. Also, sometimes people say to just put them straight out in front of you. Both are equally disturbing. Both of them are equally disturbing. Disturbing. So, um, so you have to stretch them or you stretch them far out. Okay. So then as you stare into the mirror with your arms stretched out, you say baby blue 13 times. 13? Uh-huh. Spooked. Without messing up. Okay. So you know you were successful if you suddenly feel the weight of an invisible baby <gasps> in your arms. The baby can even appear sometimes, but every time um, it'll start scratching you. So sometimes uh, in the legend, you just feel the weight of a baby. And immediately after that 13 time, you feel the weight of the baby and then you feel it start scratching your arms like digging into your arms. Oh my God. Yeah. Also, sometimes people will say that they will see the, like a visage of a, of a baby or like a, you know, a Jedi ghost form of a baby in their yes. arms <laughs> uh, for lack of a better explanation. It's Yoda. He's like, yeah. Like, yes, I see. <laughs> um, so, you know, you were successful or if you said, I'm oh, sorry, I said that. Um, the weight will quickly get heavier and heavier, and you are supposed to quickly run to the toilet, pantomiming throwing the baby into the flushing toilet, and then flush the toilet. Ew. And that's basically it. You're just immediately, when you start feeling that, you're supposed to run to the toilet and throw it in and flush it. Poor baby. Poor ghost baby. However, if you <gasps> fail to do that, this Here. is what happens. Yes. So what are the dangers of playing baby blue? If you don't throw the baby into the toilet and flush it fast enough, a hideous woman is supposed to appear in the mirror and yell, give me my baby back, give me my baby back, give me my baby back, over and over again until she crashes through the mirror and kills you by ripping your throat out. Or she like, another one, she stabs you with some of the glass of the mirror. That reminds me of the Insidious 2 where it's like, she has your baby. She has it. You know, that old man, the crepit man is like, oh, oh yeah, I'm getting yeah. chills. My oh, in the fuck you, Corey. in the closet. <laughs> Corey's in the closet. We're fucked. <laughs> that's like, that's the main like uh, danger. That's pretty much the only danger. If you don't immediately do this, she's supposed to appear, chant that to you, and yell it at you. And then the, gladder, the glass is supposed to shatter and she's supposed to stab you or kill you in some different way. Ew. So what are the origins of this? I was just game? about to ask. I'm like, no, who yeah, the we'll fuck is baby it. blue? Yeah. Um, so depending on the game in, in the future, I'll either have the origins before I explain the game or the origins after, depending on if the origins spoil okay. the explanation of the game. Are you going to do Bloody Mary in the future or? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Cool. I'll do it. So legend has it that the woman is Bloody Mary herself. Oh, oh speaking of. Yeah. And that she... Um, or just uh, in other legends is just another woman that she broke a mirror and used it to sh used the shattered glass to stab her baby and then flush it down the toilet because she didn't want it. That's really intense. It's really gross. Holy shit. But yeah, that's the lore. Um, and the, the main lore is that it is Bloody Mary herself. 
Yeah, Sorry, right. my headphone just touched <laughs> the um, blinds behind me, so it sounded like someone was tapping my Ew. headphones. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Respect. We're not even to the worst part of this. Too. I'm going to throw up. And and the next one is disgustingly scary. Fuck you. Okay, so um, now let's go to a story from the web because <sighs> stories from the web. Reddit. So, What's up? <laughs> Laura was a shy girl who had just started middle school. One fateful weekend, she was finally invited to a sleepover at Crystal's house, oh. one of the girls in her class, and was excited yet nervous about the whole thing. Fuck. Most of the night went well, a little jumping on the trampoline, then trying makeup, and then finally a romantic comedy to end the night. Classic. Sounds like my ideal Friday. Or so Laura thought. <gasps> So when Crystal's parents went to bed, the girl started sharing scary stories. Yes. Laura was terrified. I know I love that part of sleepovers and shit. I fucking love that. When the parents go to bed, part. you're like, let's I'm get like, real. Let's get fucking real. I'm like, touch my pussy. Someone's like, let's, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, touch my pussy and, and scare me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And so Laura was terrified, but listened to each one as she didn't want the others to think she wasn't cool. We've all been there, girl. Yeah, girl. Fine, except for I'm the bitch that's like, let's take scary stories out. Yeah, right. You're a bitch if you don't like it. I'm like, let us feather sip as a board. Let us feather sip as a board. I was totally that kind. Right, I'm so that bitch. I'm Same. so fucking crystal. And that's why we're doing this podcast because we're the crystals we're of the, the sleepover. We're the fucking crystals. All the Lauras out there, I'm sorry. Sorry, Laura. I love fuck you. you. I'm sorry we were a bitch. Sorry, Laura. She's listening. She's like, fuck you. She's yeah. like, currently goes to therapy for oh, sleepovers with us. I'm sorry, Laura. Sorry, Laura. So, um, Finally, it was her turn to share, but she was too scared to think of anything and declined. When she declined, Crystal began telling the girls about a game they should they should play. Yeah. A game called Baby Blue. Ah! And that it'd be only only fair if Laura tried it out since she didn't share a story with them. Girl, you're fucking manipulative. Sorry, Laura. Um, the girls instantly agreed, all <sighs> glad they weren't the ones to be the guinea pig. <laughs> Peer pressure 101. Um, Laura almost protested, but she thought of all the fun she uh, just had tonight with all of her new friends. She was not going to give that up for just some stupid game. Uh, so Laura First went mistake. into the bathroom, Second turned off mistake. the lights, and closed the door behind, behind her. Uh, Laura put out her arms and started chanting, Baby Blue, Baby Blue, 13 times. <laughs> All of a sudden, a baby appeared in her arms and began scratching her. Terrified, all Laura could do was stand there, petrified. She wanted to drop it and run, but she was afraid of what might happen, and no one had told her what to do, so she just <gasps> stood there as her arms got heavier and heavier. Drop that baby in the fucking toilet, bitch. But right? she didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know. They didn't That's tell her this That's not even fair. Part. Um, so suddenly, she caught sight of something horrible in the bathroom mirror and screamed in terror. When Laura's friends heard her screaming, they tried to open the bathroom door, but it was locked. Finally, they managed to run into a friend's house to get help. When they broke open the door, they found Laura lying dead on the bathroom floor. Her eyes had been scratched out, <gasps> and they couldn't move her body because something large and invi invisible was pinning her to the ground. Oh, hell no. Damn, girl. So Laura isn't hearing this now because she's fucking dead. Sorry, Laura. <laughs> I, we killed you. Sorry, Laura. You should have tossed that baby in the fucking... Toilet. toilet. <laughs> Learn the rest of the story, Laura. Lesson. <laughs> like, God damn it. <laughs> Sorry you died, Laura, but that's your own fault. <laughs> right? Like, don't do a scary ritual game if you don't know how to get out. Right. Right? I don't know how you get out of Bloody Mary. I don't remember how you get out of Bloody Mary. You just don't fucking do it. You're just not a fucking bitch-ass stupid cunt. <laughs> <laughs> we should play Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board sometime. No. <laughs> that shit's fun. I'd, I would be so spooked. I'd have fun, but then, like, the second I'm alone trying to go to bed, I'd be like, fuck. But Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board is pure, like, witch shit. It's not 
demon-y. I know, but you're just like still inviting those powers. Invoking the spirit. You're invoking you're invoking powers that don't belong to you, which invites other things. True. That's my whole point. Is like that's true. not me. That's not my power. So that's something true. that shouldn't or well something that normally shouldn't be focused on me is now focused on you. I don't like that. I'm spooked. I don't fucking like that. I'm spooked. <laughs> so now that we're spooked, let's get into let's get real spooked. Oh fuck you, Corey. <laughs> no, y'all. This is called the Midnight Man. <gasps> I'm fucking scared. No. I'm fucking scared. Absolutely not. So what is it? I don't have an explanation except for if you are a fucking sadist or no, is it masochist? Yeah. Yeah, me masochist. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a fucking masochist, then fucking play this game, okay? Yeah. (laughs) So what are the origins of the game? The origins of this game is said to be an old pagan ritual that would summon some sort of demon who is known as the Midnight Man today. It was used to punish those who broke the laws of the religion or community. They would force the subject to summon him, but give the subject no way of protecting themselves uh, during this, like once once the Midnight Man was summoned. Thus, leading the judgment to the Midnight Man, which almost always was like fucking bad. <laughs> so, um, this is a this is originally, I think, a creepy pasta. Yeah, fun. Um, and so, um, in the creepypasta, they super, super say, "Don't do this," because even if you do it correctly, you still see shit. Like you, the whole point of this game is that you are going around the house, and this shadow demon is following you. Did you and- see? Did you see that meme? I'm trying to find it because I thought I saved it, but I didn't. Um, I think Angel posted it where it was like creepy pasta, and then like it like talked about different like type of noodles but it would rhyme something scary with a type of noodle Ooh. and like it ended with like spookyoli ravioli oh, something cute. like that I'm just getting, like crazy <laughs> it's and it's like, like the spongebob meme where he's like oh getting fancier like, as it goes. i don't know crazy pain a or something like yeah that. yeah <laughs> that reminded me of that that's fun that's fun so what do you need to play this game so you actually do need some things to play this game you need a paper you need pencil you need a needle you need candle you need a box of matches, a box of matches, um, a box, and a door, a, box. a wooden door specifically, and salt. Okay, this is very specific going on. Very here. specific. So, how do you play? Step one, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Step one, write your full name first, then middle, then last on a piece of paper. Then you put at least one drop of your own blood on that paper and allow it to soak into it. Ew. Okay. Step two. Turn off all the lights in, at the place you are doing this. So turn off all the lights in your house. <laughs> I just got chills. Then you go to the your wooden door. Nope. And it, it, it's better if you go to the wooden door that belongs to your room or something like that. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's more connected to you. <laughs> um, and place the paper with your name on it in front of the door. Now, take out the candle and light it and then place it on top of the paper. No. Step three, knock on the door 22 times. 22? 22. <laughs> Fuck. The hour must be 12 a.m. upon the final knock. Not three. Interesting. Not, and you're supposed to knock in time with the clock ticking. <gasps> so what you're supposed to do is to get either a metronome or you're supposed to get an actual analog. Sorry, so analogous. My God. An analog <laughs> clock. And as it ticks, oh, like you're supposed t- to knock with the ticks. You're supposed to go. Like, just knock with the seconds. Speaking of, why you did that? Like, the fucking blinds are tapping my headphones? Yeah, they keep moving. Yeah. Not on their own, because you're touching them. All of a sudden, it just like... <laughs> All of a sudden, like, the four just drops, and you hear, get out! No, shut up, Chana, shut up. 
Shut up. I just scared myself. You can't do that. I hate it. <laughs> Over here, somehow, so scary. the apartment at Parkland Center right now, the par- the closet's being knocked oh, on. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, jump cut to that. that yeah, they're like, what like, the fuck? Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. And then, like, jump cut to your, um, my- oh, God, your light on your, your <laughs> Um, and then, like, jump cut to your storage facility. There's, like, green slime coming out. From my fucking pagan-ass <laughs> Goddamn. coffee table. Just, like, the wake that we leave in our lives is all haunted shit. Right. <laughs> Suddenly, like, we look over. Like, my tarot book is, like, flipping back and forth. My Ouija oh board's my going crazy. I'm like, Corey, we messed up like with the, the midnight Like, the devil man. and the tower card are, like, the only ones that are coming out. And it's, like, on the Ouija board and, like, flipping over and over. the seven of swords over. or whichever one's really bad. Oh. One of the swords is really bad. Like seven Swords is not a fun time. Yeah. I think, like, the seven of swords is, like, the worst one or something like that. So. It's like one of those. Anyways. Nice to do tarot. Anyways, here we are, yeah. the Midnight Man. I'm scared. Yeah. Okay. So we haven't even got to like. Ooh, like a children of uh, a black-eyed child uh, pops up right now. Oh my god, they're so in the same family. <laughs> Excuse me. Can I come in to Ew, your house? Shut up. Excuse <laughs> okay, me. <laughs> so step three, you knock on the door 22 times. We've already mm. said that. So the 22nd knock must end at the strike of 12. And now you have just allowed the Midnight Man to enter your house. So what happens now is the oh. door in front of you that is uh, that is supposed to be open as you do this, it is supposed to, or no, so they're supposed to be shut, will now open, creak open slowly, as in as it opens, the light of your candle goes out. So oh, what you are supposed to do is fat. immediately first shut the door and then second light the candle. And now this is where the game begins. Oh, hell yeah. no. You must now lurk about your completely dark house <laughs> with the lit candle in your hand. Nope. Your goal is to avoid the midnight man at all costs <gasps> until 3.33 a.m. <gasps> no. Yep. I did not make this up, Chana. I did not fucking make Somebody else made this up, but like I did not fucking make this up. Fuck you, creepypasta. Yep. Should your candle ever go out, that means the Midnight Man is near you. Oh. You must relight your candle in the next 10 seconds. Oh, my God. Uh, other indications that you are near the Midnight Man will include sudden drops in temperature, oh. seeing a pure black humanoid figure through the darkness. I've been there. And hearing very soft whispers <gasps> coming, fr- uh, coming from an indiscernible voice. If you experience any of these, it is advisable that you leave the area to avoid the Midnight Man. So it's sort of like you're playing uh, the Hide fucking Slender Man. Yeah. Or like, yeah, like you're just like, it, it, when you see these things, you're supposed to like leave. I don't know why you would even start this fucking game in the, in the first place, but you're supposed to walk around basically your room with a, with a candle and oh my God, I, oh, I didn't real I didn't remember this until right now. I had a dream. No. Yeah. We're going on a tangent about a dream. It's no. Not, it's very short. So bear with me. I'm scared. I had a dream that okay. I was walking around a house and it was like an old wooden house. Everything was made out of wood oh and that I had a candle. Oh my God, I forgot about this until right now. Oh my God. I had a candle and it was shining a really bright light than it should. And behind me, all I knew that there was a crying witch ghost that was trying to kill me. And it literally like in my dream lasted for like hours. Oh. I was just walking around in circles as I heard her behind me. It's like and the you know, left for just, dead. You know girl. how you can't move as fast as you want to in dreams? And you can't clench a fucking fist. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you can't so like grab. St- yeah. You're not dex- dexterous at all. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hate dreams. I hate dreams. Anyways, dreams that was one of the dreams I've had. That's like one of the top scariest dreams I've ever had well, in my life. Well, you're fucked. Yeah. You, the Midnight Man's after you. Yep. Oh, God. Anyways. That's terrifying. I, I don't even know why I had that dream. I wasn't stressed out. Because you're anything. fucked. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> I'm fucking haunted. Because <laughs> you're haunted as shit. Because you know me. Therefore, you're haunted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, again, should your, ev- should your, oh, sorry. Where is, where is it all that? Mm. 
So again, if you experience any of those things that we said, get the fuck out. Okay. GTFO. Just get the fuck out of that room and move and then just like kill yourself because you decided to do this stupid thing anyways. Okay. So if you are not successful in doing this and what I'm referring to is if you're not successful in lighting your candle within the next 10 seconds. So like, let's say you're too fucking scared. You forgot your box of matches in the room or whatever, or you're just like a stupid ass fuck. You're dead. Um, you must immediately uh, set down your candle in front of you. And like, even though it's not lit, you need to keep that with you. And you immediately surround yourself with a circle of salt. If you are successful huh. in creating the circle of salt, you must remain in there until 3.33 a.m. when the game ends. So, technically, you are not successful in most of the iterations of this game. You have failed, but it, you have failed and the Midnight Man will haunt you for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. He can't, he can't hurt you, in a sense, but you will see him. He will be in your dreams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's going like, to troll the fuck out of you. you. Like, he will always be there in some sense. Oh. Um, so, like, if you if you forget to do this, if he sees you and it, the candle gets blown out and you aren't able to relight it in 10 seconds, you've sort of fucked up yourself for the rest of your life. So, congratulations, bitch. Holy shit, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So if you are successful in relighting your candle, you may proceed with the game. You must continue till 3.33 a.m. without being attacked by the Midnight Man or being trapped inside the Circle of Salt to win the Midnight Game. The Midnight Man will leave your house at 3.33 a.m. and you will be safe to proceed with your morning. So you literally win nothing except for just experiencing this. I don't know. Yeah, XP. (laughs) Yeah, you gained XP. You get major experience points. (laughs) Pretty much. You're now a level six uh, masochist. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) You're like... You're like close to becoming your own porn star. Yeah, yeah. You're a level six supernatural mac- masochist. Congratulations. Aren't we all level six 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 right, supernatural yeah, you're masochist? Level six, six, six. You're listening to this podcast, so you so yeah. you're a you're a supernatural masochist. <laughs> so um, uh, here are some do nots. So do not turn on any of the lights during the midnight game. You immediately lose. Do not do this game. Do not use a flashlight during the midnight game. Do not go to sleep during. The- <laughs> I don't know how you do that, but Good okay. Night. Do not attempt. That's like when when blah blah blah. We won't name him because I don't know if he wants to know. Where he like fell asleep after doing a like have to have acid, and oh, I was like, yeah, I was I like looking at him that. playing Black Flag, which is the best fucking thing. Which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But I, I was like, I looked at him asleep. I was like, how the fuck did you just fall asleep? Also, how the fuck were his dreams that night? <laughs> right. Right. Um. And then uh, do not attempt to use another person's blood on your name. Also, do not use a lighter as a substitute for a candle. It will not light the candle. Ah! Damn. And definitely do not attempt to provoke the Midnight Man in any way. You're like, way. fuck you, Midnight Man. Suck my clit. Uh-huh. <laughs> fuck. Yep. It says, even when the game is over, he will always be watching you. <gasps> I think in most iterations, it is saying that if you complete the game, he won't be watching you. I mean, maybe he's watching you because dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But like... He won't be a part of your life, but if you fail the game in any way, if you have to do the circle assault, you won't die that night, but you, or be taken away or wherever, you know, but you, he will be following you. you Ew. Yeah. So here's what it said is a specific, if you are unsuccessful in both of your actions of relighting the candle and doing the circle of salt, the midnight man is to create a hallucination of your greatest fear. And as you are experiencing it, he rips out your organs one by one what? as you feel it. No. So I would so I would see spiders and cat deaths all around me. Uh-huh. And while he's ripping out your organs one by one. Wonderful. Thank you, Midnight Man, you asshole. Yep. So let's get into the story. Um there's a it's 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 a little lengthy, but it it's five times as long as what I'm gonna read. So yes. I'm gonna just sum it up for you. Yes. Basically the first like third of this is these people don't really care about it. 
and they're like, let's play the Midnight Man because we're bored. Everyone's out of town. It was him and his cousin, and yeah. they're like, let's just play it. Okay, the we're home not alone. Real. Let's have fucking fun because we're bored ass stupid children. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or teenagers, whatever. So basically they go, they do it. They follow the thing. They knock 22 times. They finish at 12 and then their candle does go out. So they immediately light it. So they're like, they that adapted. was spooky. They I'm interested. Yeah. What? They adapted. They conquered. Yeah. So they're like, oh, that was spooky. Let's go. So they start going around the house. And this is where we'll get to his verbatim. Um, it says, we played this for about an hour before we got bored. I decided I was done playing this dumb game and sat down on the couch with my candle and talked to Tom, his cousin, who was feeling pretty much the same as I was about the game. We managed to talk for maybe five minutes. I was looking at Tom and he was looking around when he stopped talking in mid-sentence. His <gasps> eyes fixed on something. Without saying a word, I looked over to see what he saw. In that doorway was a very black outline dark darker than pitch black blacker than the blackness of the house outline in the darkness this thing was standing in the doorway to this thing was standing in the doorway to the kitchen leading to the living room it was almost human but so much worse his head was touching the top of the doorway and its shoulder was touching the sides this Thing's arms were down near my knees. My knees would be if I stood in that doorway. This thing's eyes were the darkest part. It looks like the darkness condensed so far that it created a hole in the world. It looked right at us. The only, uh, and then in quotations, the only reason I know that this thing was not a figment of my imagination was that when I started describing it to Tom, he finished the description. (gasps) And when he did, we ran into our room which had the safest, uh, uh, which felt safest the entire night. We did not shut the door, which was against the rules. If you close a door, it would, uh, it would know exactly where you were. I guess that's like another iteration of the whole thing. So back out of his, uh, his like italicized. Oh my God. I have chills on my whole body. He says, so we saw this thing pass the door and go down the hallway. Ooh. I just think of the, the bowler hat man in the haunting. (gasps) (gasps) Fuck you. That thing is so fucking creepy. Fuck you. Okay. Anyways, that thing was the creepiest thing to me. Um, yeah. Let me find my space again. So we saw this thing uh, pass the door and go down the hallway. It just sort of drifts down the hallway. Yeah. Oh my! As it God. did this, the draft a draft is created and it, uh, created and it blew out my candle. <gasps> a draft is two kind of word that was this wind. That's just how the guy writes it. Okay. I could not I could not get it to light. I finally lit my candle at the ten second count. Tom was freaking out about it, and I was uh, desperately praying. I didn't need to draw a salt circle. A salt circle. If I did, Tom would have to venture out and out alone, and I would be left sitting on my own in a circle of salt in the pitch black with no candle and darkness for company. Oh At this point, God. we decided we needed to get downstairs and stay there. So basically, to fast forward, they go downstairs and they go into a basement. Um, by basement. An, they literally go to the basement by an old furnace, like fucking insidious. Is it insidious or is it conjuring? Cunts. I forget. It's one of those. It's one of the James ones. There's a furnace. Oh, it's uh, Conjuring 2. The girl sees a furnace. Is it? This is such a trope that it's probably in like 80 billion. It's like in every yeah. old basement. Yeah. Like Scary anytime movie. somebody goes in a fucking basement. Yeah. Simone just moved. I forgot she was next to me. So I just saw like a black mask. You're move. so cute. So they go downstairs and they go into a basement of an old furnace in the corner and they wait. Yeah. They just literally are like, we're fucking scared this really happened. You dumb fucks. So if I was a demon, time, first place, if I was a demon, that's the first place I would look at. Oh, I basement, know. I'd be like, furnace. fuck you, bitch. You're a fucking basement. I'm fucking you up. Basement or attic, <laughs> I'm going to fuck you in the ass. Yeah. I'd be like in the corner. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, I'm know. like, no lube, raw dog in your yeah, asshole. Yeah. Like raw dog in your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> With my spirit 
demon is. With consent. With my demon dick. With consent. <laughs> well, they they started the game. That's basically they consent. They pretty much consented That's to this. That's consent. <laughs> in this in this situation. <laughs> in this situation, they consented to their assholes being wrecked <laughs> <laughs> by a demon. <laughs> Um, so the entire time we were downstairs, footprints were stomping up and down the stairs oh, all no. through the kitchen and the hallway above us. And every once in a while, we could see a face looking at us from the from the stairs. So I would say it was pretty damn hard to keep that shield uh, that shield up. We sat down for there. Probably the shield he's talking about is just him trying to act big because I think his uh, cousin was younger than he is. Okay. Um, so we sat down there for what felt like years and years. The clock on the wall seemed to move way too slow. Oh, my God. Uh, when 3.33 finally came around, the worst part was that my phone suddenly turned on at full volume, like the ring. I take this, that the thi- I take this as... Uh, the midnight man saying goodbye in his own way. We immediately left and booked it out of there and just got to the car and drove till daylight. Neither of us was able to believe what just happened. Oh my God. So that's the fucking midnight man, y'all. Ew. <laughs> ew, 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 ew. What's that noise? Was that your foot? That's me. I, I drug my foot across the floor. Oh my God. Yeah, isn't that creepy? I had to sit alone and research that. It was, I was creeped out. <laughs> no, uh-uh. absolutely fucking not. Fuck that. I'm never playing the midnight man. There's also, so what I, my third thing was going to be, um, I forget what it's called, but it's a Japanese thing that is basically a playoff of Crossroads. So the biggest thing that Americans know about Crossroads is a Crossroads demon. And that's mostly from the Supernatural, the TV show Supernatural. Okay, I have no idea what Because they go about. to the, cro- yeah, because it's not real folklore in for America. Um, it might be in like really specific places, but it's really cool because Supernatural plays it off as such a thing that you know about. And actually, I have known that in there's a really cool lore. There's a famous one of the first famous jazz dudes um, is said to have gone to a crossroads demon to oh. become a famous. And he's like a real famous like jazz singer. Oh, um, and uh, they they and it's it's, it's actually sort of tied in because he's black, so it's tied in with some like. The people giving that to him, they're like, he can't be good because he's black, so he must have gone to a crossroads demon. Oh, okay. I remember, I remember like reading up some wiki articles about that, and then seeing that that was mentioned that they're like, oh, he only got it because he like you know dealt with the devil. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little eh, like Super totally racist. biased, but it, like the legend is cool to me. The idea, yeah. Um, so that's the only real basis of a crossroads demon has ever come to me in real life, other than through supernatural. Mm-hmm. But this one is a Japanese one about uh you getting your fortune told to you by a demon at Sick. a crossroads it's so fuck so i'll i'll do that in the future when i come back to these kind of cool. ritual games yeah. i like this little thing they're the fun rituals. they're fucking it was fucking cool yeah this and there's like one. dozens like scores of them oh right yeah there. well like just i remember i did bloody mary's kid lies feather stiff as a board and there was one more i did i just can't remember it at all but it was just as big as bloody mary is it like a flashlight thing i think it involved flashlights yeah I think it did. I just don't remember. But I mean, the main ones were obviously Bloody Mary and Light as a Feather, Sip as yeah. a Board, because every person did Bloody Mary. And a lot of these games, um, at least in the legend, have a Japanese origin. Well, okay, I was literally just about to say that because yeah. when I researched the elevator game, yeah, it was so big in Japan. Yeah, and I, I, I think it actually that might originate from Korea. Was it Korea? Yeah, I think that one might be Korea. But um, yeah, but it, they have a lot. They're like more asphyxiated on these ritual scary games. Like the supernatural. They're very superstitious. Yeah. Like yeah. Damn. Well, you know what's crazy about these rituals that you're talking about? Like these sleepover rituals. Uh-huh. It's like no matter how scary they are, there's always a part of me that's so tempted to, to do know, them. I know, right? Because yeah. I'm like, oh, like, well, I want to do the Midnight Man because that one crosses the line. I wouldn't do that because there's nothing. There's no winning. 
I and yeah, and even if you win, you still walked around your house while a shadow demon followed you for around for three and, and a half hours. It. For three and a half hours. Yeah, like why the fuck would you do and that? And I guess like Bloody Mary and like Blue Baby is max two, three minutes. Exactly. Where yes. like three and a half and there's hours. There's a way out. Three and a half hours. You can watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's watch- a way out, and all you did was like feel something heavy in your arms and then some scratches on your on your arm and you just toss that bitch in the toilet toss that fucking bitch in the toilet but then like midnight man you're walking around your dark ass house for three and a half hours fuck that where where something repeatedly whispers in your ear and stalks you and then blows out your only light source yeah fuck that fuck that yeah so i think i would like bloody mary like even like the blue baby like i'm tempted to do that right now no sir (laughs) i'm not going to but i'm saying like those are more tempting to me than midnight man because like the midnight man also if if somebody sat in front of me with a gun to my head and they're like do midnight man or do blue baby i'd be like done blue baby blue baby up and i guess since i like balls me baby since (laughs) blue balls me baby be my midnight man daddy yeah be my midnight man be my midnight man put that blue baby in me put that blue baby in me Uh, yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah midnight man freaks me the fuck out yeah it reminds me a lot of slender man fuck it's like a slender boogeyman totally slash, and then you get the whole lore of shadow people yeah which i didn't even know was a thing but i was at like i was in the middle it was the middle of the fucking day when i was working at banana republic and somebody uh, like a like some mormon mom buying and that's like significant to say y'all because people they stray from like bringing up this shit just because they believe like their spirit world is around us right now so there's like dead people around us right now it's not a focus and i've said that before yeah but it's just a part of the reality like when you die you are a spirit and you're here until the second coming but no one will talk about it it. they don't really focus on it so they're not focused on the whole spirits are around us all the time but it's just they're like hey don't talk about this bad shit because bad spirits are around us too just like good spirits are yeah the veil is thin exactly so she brings it up and she was like blah 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 you know i'm just like fuck my life fuck my life fuck my life i want to get home and smoke weed fuck yeah, my life as i was like waiting and for then all of a sudden i hear shadow people and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> i haven't heard the story and they're like i'm here and so she just brings up talking about shadow people and then she le- it was like right when she left and then i turn around and the one of our assistant managers she's like this cute ass just like small girl she's just so cute i love her yeah um, i hope the best for you um wherever you are she got promoted last i heard so go her good for you um seeing she's a manager of one of the banana republic stores around here go her i was like wait did she just say shadow people what does that mean you know because immediately i'm like fuck yeah yeah like fuck yeah let's talk about some spooky your nipples shit. are erect yeah nipples hard um so she was like oh yeah we're like they're shadow people they're just like you know tall shadow they're not even like most people would assume they're de- this is sort of talking i'm talking through her she sort of just says like oh yeah most people think they're like demons but they're not demons and they're not spirits they're just like another form of a being that exists Ooh. on earth but they're like tall and lanky and shadowy <gasps> sometimes in lore and this is me sometimes in lore they are just demons but in other times they're just a completely separate entity and but. they just like stalk people and she's like yeah and so like my grandma like she had she could see them and she could also tell people's like fortunes and stuff like that and she could speak to actual spirits and ghosts and she's like and so i guess it sort of rubbed off on me because i've seen them before and she like <laughs> tells me about them and she was like yeah one night i was walking my dog and i just saw one look and then when it realized i saw it it stared at me and then it kept walking through the fence it like just continued walking through a fence and i was like 
I would kill myself. You're like, who the fuck are you? Been I in would, our boat, I Mandra? would run home and tell you, Chenna, and be like, where's your gun? Like, where's a gun? And like, I'd be I'm like, killing myself I don't know, right bitch. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, I don't know, but like, I'd be like, I'm killing myself. This is why I'm killing myself. Ew. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That was a totally off topic. I miss being able to see ghosts, though. Those were the days. I do not miss that. Like, I remember I have this very specific memory where I was swimming and I, like, got. So, you know, like, okay, I was swimming, opening my eyes underwater because I'm, like, one of those bitches. Yeah. And I, like, got out of the water (laughs) and I, like. (laughs) You're just like, because I'm a badass, fucked up motherfucker. Because I'm a. I love the pain. I'm a masochist, obviously. I'm a supernatural masochist, like you guys. Yeah. So I like got out of the water and I like rubbed my eyes and I opened my eyes and standing above me was just this like person looking down at me with like their head tilted and just like looking down at me like, oh, can you see me? Just like wonder if I could see them. And I like looked at them and I started speaking and they like noticed and they like disappeared. And no. I was swimming with my friend and she was like, Chan, are you okay? And I turned around. And I was like, did you just see that person? They're like, no. And no, I was like, well, stop. confirmed. I can still see ghosts. This Ew. is when I was like in sixth or like seventh grade Ew. when this happened. But um, okay. that's like, but it was so fun and exciting. Or like I would be driving with, let's say, my grandpa in a car. And we would like be driving down the road and I'd look on the side of the road and I would see just like this being just stare at me just as I was driving there. past. Yeah. And, I, and I was Ew. like, damn. Ew. But as soon as Noob touched me, you know, I can't see Ew. that anymore. Yeah. So as soon as like when I turned fifteen, my demon noob. All of them are worse. He, I can no. He like blocked my third eye or whatever. I don't know. The only time I feel like I maybe have seen something like that is that old man walking down the street. We've one hundred percent saw something. Yeah, and that is like, that is the only thing that I think to this day is like hard evidence of me seeing something. Yeah. No, like we. And it spooked me the fuck out. What episode did we talk about that? I don't remember. It's a couple episodes ago. It, it's we legitimately saw a ghost. It like, might be the black eyed children, because when we get this yes! spooked, then we start reminiscing about other spooky shit. I think it was the black eyed children. It might so be the New black eyed children. So episode eleven. Yeah, it it's, might be that. Yeah, fuck. Anyways, go back to episode eleven if you haven't listened to it, because it's a fucking treat. I love your rituals thing. It's very exciting. yeah. I'm super excited for the future because I was like, holy fucking shit! I haven't heard about half of this stuff, so and, I'm excited. Yeah, it's cool, and I wonder. It's gonna be interesting to to find out like what you heard during your sleepovers versus what I heard during my sleepovers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Cause one, like there's an age gap, like a five year age gap, but also like you grew up identifying as a man. I grew up yeah. as a, identifying as a woman. So like I went to the girly girl sleepover, like early 2000 sleepovers when you went to like the, where we just play video games. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting yeah. to see like in moon, what in we moon, both, the empty cul-de-sac at 2am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump into my segment. Let's do it. We're talking about Marlena Childress. So Marlena Childress was born on February 17th, 1983, and she was four years old when she went missing. What? Marlena lived with her mom, Pam Bailey, in Union City, Tennessee. So on April 16th, 1987, Marlena's seven-year-old stepbrother, Jerry, was visiting their house until he was picked up by his mother at around 3 p.m. At 3.30, Marlena was still playing outside, so her mom, Pam, like looked at her when she's outside. She's like, cool, she's still playing. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, Pam heard a squeal of, like, skidding tires, like the noise, and, like, driving away. And she looked out the window, and she saw a red car speeding away with license plates from the McCracken County in Kentucky. She ran outside, and she noticed that Marlena was missing, and then reported to the police around 4.15, so about 45 minutes after this happened, that her daughter was officially missing. Now, earlier that afternoon, 
Pam was at a little like convenience store a couple blocks away with Marlena and Jerry and they were buying some candy. While they were there, Jerry and the store owner recalled seeing a man speaking to Marlena while he was standing outside of a red car no. with McCracken County license plates. Did they um, tell her that before? So, no, okay. I, I don't know if she knew. Okay. But um, the man, just a side note here, um, the man who like owned the car was eventually found and he was ruled out as a suspect. Just let you know. So I'm going to say that off the bat right now. Okay. Now, police organized a search of the neighborhood and then of the city. However, no trace of the girl was found. Like, absolutely nothing. She just disappeared in thin air, pretty much. Jesus. Now, the day after the alleged abduction, Pam, the mother, she was interviewed by a local news. She made a desperate plea for her daughter to come home. Oh, my God. We're, like, already in this. I I feel like we just breathed two seconds ago. (laughs) We're, like, already in this. The girl's captured. It's over. Yeah. Like, I'm not good. She's four years old. There's not much of a backstory here. Damn. True. Damn. We're in this. We're fucking in this to win this. So, (laughs) or to lose this, most likely. Yeah. So two months after Marlena's disappearance, Pam, again, who is her mother, she checked herself into a local hospital for several days because she suffered from severe emotional distress from severe emotional distress and exhaustion. This is two months after it happened. Obviously, if my four-year-old daughter disappeared, I would be pretty fucking distressed. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be out of it. Now, nine days after she left the hospital, Pam made a shocking announcement, which stunned the the country because it was it was you know nationwide news okay this happened in tennessee but people in los angeles heard about it pam came out and said that her daughter was 100 percent dead what? her tape recorded confession was made to stan cavanis no. who was an investigator in the case cavanis cavanis one of those pronunciations pam told cavanis that marlena wasn't behaving so she turned around and bitch slapped Marina so hard that she fell over and hit her head on the table and instantly died pam started to panic and so she placed marlena's body in her truck drove her to a nearby town um the town is called martin there she phoned a family friend for assistance and he met her at a bridge on campground road where they both proceeded to throw marlena's body into the obian river what now, the family friend was later questioned by police, but he, but he denied any involvement, saying he knew Pam, but he hadn't seen her in a couple years. <gasps> like, this was out of nowhere. Did people call her up and threaten her and force her to say that? So he also had an alibi for the day that Marlena disappeared. So the man was never charged in connection with her disappearance. He was like a total random person she used to know, where she was like, yeah, I, Steve helped me throw his body, her body in the river. And Steve was like, what he's like i haven't talked to you since like that fucking company christmas party six years ago you ran a bitch that's like me being like naming someone from 46 i'm like yeah like nick helped me throw a body in the river like it's so out of nowhere during this time pam continuously changed her story so you know originally she was like oh i lost my temper with marlena and then she later said oh, I actually sold Marlena for drugs. And then she later said, oh, no, Marlena was kidnapped by sex predators. You know, she just kept on, like, changing the story left and right. Mm-hmm. Now, police, they did search for Marlena's body um, or any sign of her in the Obian River where Pam originally said she threw the body in. But again, they couldn't find anything, not a trace of the girl. Pam was charged with second-degree murder, and her bond was set to $10,000. Now, the judge ordered that she would be placed in an observation at a state mental institution because she was changing her story so much. Mm -hmm. But the original story was that she killed her daughter, and it was a taped-recorded confession. So he was like, okay. He's like, we're throwing your ass in a mental institution until, you know, the court date rolls up. 
Um, as soon as pretty much the judge said that, he's like, you're going to a mental institution, you crazy bitch. She then recanted her confession and she claimed that her confession was uh, was manipulated and forced by Stan Cavanis. Kavan- Again, that's the investigator. Okay. Now, at a press conference, Stan played the f- a five-minute excerpt of Pam's confession to show that it was not coerced. And, and in the confession, she admitted to throwing Marlena's body in the river. She also was adamant that she, that she was not making things up. So throughout the entire test, her confession, she was like, no, I did this. I'm not making this up. I'm serious. Like, I bitch slapped her. I threw her in a river. Um, Now, Pam, she said that she was heavily medicated after getting to the hospital, so she was easily manipulated into a confession. Because she did go to the hospital, and shortly after the hospital say, she made that confession. She also claimed that Kavnis told her that they had evidence that linked her to the murder of Marlena and throwing her body into the river, and that there were eyewitnesses that saw her throwing, physically tossing the four-year-old body into the river. Um, he also told her that she would go straight to the electric chair if she didn't confess to him. Um, apparently, he also told her that it because it looked like an accident, she could say it was an accident, so she would be considered. So she would not be considered a cold-blooded killer. So he was like trying to help her figure out ways to not be convicted this of is inside job shit. Yeah. Now he, of course, denied this, claiming that she expressed a lot of guilt and remorse when she made her confession, and he claimed that she vi- she vividly described how she lost her temper and panicked after she hurt Marlena. So now it's like a he said she said battle because mm-hmm. she was like, oh no, he manipulated me. He's like, no, I didn't. Like you fucking did this. Yeah, she was drugged and distraught. Yeah, exactly. So this case went to a grand jury, but with no body and with no really evidence against Pam, except he said she said. Um, they decided not to indict her for Marlena's death, so she was let go. Now, since Marlena's disappearance, several sightings of Marlena have been reported, giving her family hope that she still what? is alive. So let's get into the sightings. So on April 22nd, 1987, two women and two children walked into Jean's hair salon in Memphis, Tennessee. One of the women appeared to be in her 20s, while the other appeared to be in her late 60s. Now, the two children, there was a boy. He was about six years old, six or seven years old. And there was a girl who's around four years old. Now, during the haircut, the little girl started crying and screaming, saying, I want my mommy. I want my mommy. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want my mommy. Let go of me. Take me home. Mm. Gail Rake, Reich, I don't know how to say her last name, but um, she was the hairstylist that was cutting the girl's hair. And Janice Wells, she was the hairstylist that was next to Gail's station. They both thought it was really odd that the girl was, like, obviously distraught and screaming that she wanted her yeah. mommy. But the, both the older women that brought in the little girl weren't saying anything. They were just watching her struggle and scream. Like, they weren't reacting, which is pretty odd. Um, eventually, after, you know, X amount of minutes of this going on, the older women, so the woman that was in her 60s, told the child, and I quote, be a good girl, Marlena, and we'll take you to the movies. Damn. So later that day, that's not an appropriate response to that. Yeah, damn. I feel. <laughs> later that day, um, Gail stopped at a nearby convenience store during her lunch break, and she looked down and she saw a newspaper with Marlena's picture on it, and she realized that the girl, like her missing poster, she realized that the girl she was looking at in the newspaper was the girl that she cut her hair earlier that day who was referred to as marlena so she like got the newspaper ran to the hair salon pulled aside janice and she was like janice do you recognize this girl janice is like oh my god this is a girl that's crying earlier like call the fucking police so they called the police 
Now, Marlena's grandfather, when he heard this was happening, his name was Wade Strickland. Um, Side note about him. He launched his own private investigation into her disappearance. He went and he visited the hairstylist and he believed their story that they saw Marlena. Um, He came to suspect that a waitress in the area was somehow involved with Marlena's disappearance. And he learned that she, that the waitress, actually left town the morning after Marlena's disappearance and wasn't back in town until several days later. Fight that girl. So he brought Gail and Janice to the restaurant where the waitress worked. And he asked them to look around the restaurant and see if they recognized anybody. And they both looked around for a few seconds. And at the exact same time, they pointed at the waitress and said, that's her. Oh, my That's God. That's the girl that was with Marlena. Um, so he also brought photographs of six young boys with him because he knew there was a six-year-old boy that accompanied Marlena, potentially Ar- Ar- Marlena and the other girls, or and the older women. And so he brought out these six photographs, and he showed them to Gail and Janice. He's like, okay, do you recognize any of these boys? And they both immediately pointed to the one boy. Oh, and guess who that boy. one boy is? A missing boy? That boy is the waitress's son. No. Yes. God damn. The Fuck fucking that girl. waitress's son. Fuck that waitress. So investigators, they questioned the waitress about the case and they gave her a polygraph test, which we now know isn't even counted in court. You can't use it in a court of law anymore. Uh, yeah. But this is the 80s, so. So we're stupid. Anything flies. Um, now, the woman denied being in the salon or even having Marlena, even knowing who she is, and she passed the polygraph test. And because of the polygraph test, they didn't have actual evidence to place the waitress with marlena it's just more circumstantial like oh yeah like the hairstylist pointed her out they let her go completely now shortly after they let her go the two hairstylists that brought the attention to this waitress started receiving threatening phone calls most of these phone calls from the waitress from the woman who claimed to know where they are where their families lived and threatened their lives and their families' lives now the women believed they were threatened because they helped the case obviously now did anyone look into those threatening phone calls nope nope because the fucking 80s and the cops because the 80s is the cops and that is the the overall theme the of theme the of true crime of true crime is no one did their <laughs> if it fucking was before job. the 2000s no <laughs> yeah no one did their job now gr- the grandpa wade refused to give up hope and he, he continued to investigate everything that he possibly could um the grandpa he even set up a tw- a hotline that was open all day every day for tips Aww. he was so desperate to find his little girl yeah. his little granddaughter now wade finally got a tip in september of 1989 Amy Spoon, she was a young mother in Lenore City, Tennessee. She was shopping at a department store with her little boys, and she let her little boys run off and play while she was shopping for her shit. She noticed that her boys started playing with the little girl. Amy started to talk to the little girl, and the little girl actually, like, ran up to Amy and was, like, trying to, like, kind of get Amy's way. Like, let's go, bitch! Yeah, exactly. Like, let's fucking go. Take me! And so Amy was starting to talk to the little girl, and the the girl's mother, in quotes and you know, hand quotations. Um, She came and she demanded that the little girl came back with her. Amy felt that the girl was really reluctant to go. The girl just did not at all want to go, especially for like a little girl. She'd be like, okay, mommy. But the girl was like, no, I don't want to go. And she, and Amy felt that the whole interaction was really odd. Like it didn't sit well with her. She was like, that was a weird interaction. I don't feel okay about this. This happens to you. Just fucking stop and say, let's get the cops. Yeah exactly like get a manager of the store and say like hey this is happening let's just keep them here in front of everybody and get the fucking cops yeah like if you don't have any if you can prove to me that you're, you're her mom you have nothing to worry about yeah but if you can't prove to me you're your mom that's the problem uh-uh. so 10 days later amy received a fly out like a little 
pamphlet of Marlena's disappearance, and oh. she immediately recognized the little girl as the girl she saw a in the department later. store. It was 10 days later That's after she so saw sad. the girl. And so she was like, oh, my God. And she even showed the picture to her sons. And she was like, do you remember her? They're like, that's the girl we played with at the department oh, store. Fuck. And so she was like, oh, my fucking God, that's her. Um, but, of course, you know, they, like, followed up the reports. They couldn't find anything mm-hmm. 10 days later. Now, there are also reports that about Marlena that she was in Anniston, Alabama. She was supposedly staying with a family in the summer of 1987. Um, that family shared her same last name, Childress, but they were not related to Marlena or Pam. Okay. They just had the same last name. It's like Jones, you know, all, a bunch of us have Jones's last names. Mm-hmm. Now, this family had social services called to them to check on their f- 10 fucking kids who lived there. I guess this family was kind of known for harboring kids that weren't theirs. Why they could be known for such a thing and no one's looking into that, that's a mystery to me. 80s. But anyways, social services rolled up and she was like, yo, I have to check on these conditions of these kids. Let me just do this standard social services visit. While she was there, the social services lady, she talked to a young girl who was about the age that Marlena would be when she disappeared. And she looked exactly like Marlena, Mm. like exactly. And she talked to her for a while and the social services was really familiar with the Marlena case. And she's like, okay, that's interesting. And then she heard that everyone was referring to the little girl as Marlena. No. And so the social services, she went back to her department to tell them what happened. Like, Hey, I think it's possible I found Marlena. It looked just like her. They referred to her as Marlena. So like, okay, let's get some like police together. Let's go back there and investigate it. Just pick a child up and run. Yeah. So they got (laughs) back. So as soon as they went back to the family's house, the family was gone. Now, eventually the the family was tracked to Florida where because they were tracked because the dad was actually arrested for sex charges related to his wife and two out of the 10 children that he had. So when social services and the police rolled up, Marlena wasn't there. God damn it. And they started questioning the family, but the family was very odd about their responses. Very wishy-washy, beat around the bush, not going to give the exact answer. It was like, oh, well, she went over there. She went with the family member, this and that. Damn. But they specifically said, the Marlena that you're looking for is not, is not the Marlena that was ours. So they, like, made a whole point to say, like, you think she's this girl, but she's not. That's Twilight Zoney. And she like was complete. And she was gone. They couldn't find her at all. Nothing. Years and years and years went by, oh and the case went cold until 2002. Now, Pam, Marlena's mother, flashed back to her. Mm-hmm. She moved to Mayfield, Kentucky, and she had another son. His name is Casey. Now, on April 22nd, 2002, six days after the 15th anniversary of Marlena's disappearance, Pam told Casey, who was 12 years old at the time, that she had a surprise for him um, and took him to a cemetery when he and he she blindfolded him. I mean, after, I guess you have me. <laughs> yeah. So after Pam led Casey to the cemetery marker with the word son that was inscribed on it, she stabbed him three times in the neck and the shoulder. Stab, what the stab, fuck? stab. Somehow, Casey was able to escape, and he ran away from this crazy bitch mom, and he uh-huh. seeked help, and he recovered from his injuries. Now, when Pam was arrested, she claimed that she completely blacked out, so it's a total Norman Bates moment. And had no memory of stabbing her son. Mm. But because of this, because now she suddenly was stabbing her son at a fucking cemetery, they reopened the cold case of her daughter um, to see if they could pin her to the crime. 
Um, anyway, so she was charged with attempted murder, but ultimately with her son, she wound up pleading no contest to second degree assault, and she received a 10 year prison sentence and had since then been released because this is 2002. So she was released around 2012. Damn, okay. So, like I said, the incident prompted police to reopen the investigation with Marlena's disappearance, but still, they couldn't pin anything to anyone. Marlena's disappearance to this day, 2019. Um, it's still classified to be a non-family abduction, and it is even though it is still reopened, it is still cold. They know nothing new. They cannot pin the mom to it. They cannot pin anyone to it. Jesus. She essentially disappeared in thin air. I'd be so mad and incomplete if it's I was still, my mother. And it's still cold to this day. So whether or not you think it's the mother who did it, if you think she's still alive to this day, I personally think that she's still alive to this day because there's so many sightings of her. How mm-hmm. Like, I... I don't know. It's it's too... Yeah, it seems like she's just alive and she doesn't know she's her. And, you know, since researching child sex trafficking, yeah, I think it's probably directly tied to that. And that's why she's found with all these different families because it's how Damn. sex trafficking works. You she's have a pimp... She's found in so many different places and then gone. Yeah. She's gone. Damn. To this day, 2019, she disappeared in what? Like the 80s? So it's been probably 25 years since it happened damn more than 25 years because 2002 is the 15th anniversary so i mean it's yeah it's it's insane so to this day this case is cold that'd be so crazy to have one of those stories to be like like yeah i was that boy that played with her so like right that's my story that's my story like i played with her out of macy's yeah and if y'all have any of your stories that are like this oh segue uh (laughs) send it to us send it to us bitch if you have supernatural scary stories, if you have crazy ass true crime related stories, if you have funny sex stories, if you have funny sex stories, send it to us. Or just even crazy sex stories that were like semi spooky or something like that too. That's totally. Fun. Send it to us because we're going to do a listener's episode in like five episodes from now. Yeah. So send us shit at ahysl podcast at gmail.com. I don't even know. <laughs> or our Instagram is anyways has or your sex life. Or our Twitter and Facebook is ahysl podcast. Or our website is ahyslpodcast.com. And you can just click on the contact us form, shoot us an email. We'll get that and we'll add your listener stories. Yeah, and we're and we're opening it up to all of those social media like sources now. Yeah, just don't tweet it to us because that's lame. Yeah, just don't fucking tweet it to us, please. But Facebook down. message us, send us an Instagram, email us, you name it, you get it. But yeah, and uh, also speaking of that, if you guys have things you want us to talk about whether it's a faggot fact spooky scoop or actual segments send it our way because this past week i've had two or three people send me things they want me to do a segment on and i wrote that on my list so i'll be covering it sometime and then i got a faggot fact and Corey got a faggot fact today so if you want faggot facts before from the other dude that we shouted out to too or if there's like a case in your hometown that no one's really heard of you're like oh i babysat for this girl that disappeared send it our way because we want to investigate these cases um especially like as we're growing this and that uh, I want to be able to get a hold of those lesser known cases to investigate it because maybe I could actually talk to the police officers or talk to this and that. Yeah, that'd we, be fun. we just want to really. We just want to solve a cold case, guys. We just okay? want to solve We just want to be one of those bitch ass people, okay? <laughs> but for reals, if you want us to talk about anything, send it our way. If you have a scary sco- story, send it our way. We love talking to you guys. Yes. So I guess our biggest question to. I know, we're not going to get there yet. Corey, how what? is your sex life? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. My sex life. Um, uh,. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> loading. Oh, I don't loading. have. Oh, oh, so uh, up sad update. Nothing happened with the dude. 
Um, because I think that was my fault because I was, you remember the guy who was, who was going to pay me to do sex oh, with another yes. guy in front of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, so basically this old guy, if y'all didn't listen to the last episode, you fucking cunts go back and listen. Bitch. Um, but basically this guy had contacted me and it this was like the most, it, it's happened before, but it was like immediately like, oh, this is fake or immediately like, no, this guy's just like bored or whatever. Yeah. Um, this one was like super real. And I was like. Long story short, it was this guy wanted me to have sex with with another dude of my choice in front of him. And I was like, I don't think I can just get that, dude. Like, I don't know people like that that just want to do that. Like, that's not my life. (laughs) (laughs) And But I was up for it it partially. Um, And then I just basically ended because he was like, well, what if you did it solo? And he's like, how much would you want? And I, like, gave him a price. And then he was like... Oh no. And then like when I was talking about the money, I was like, I think this is illegal. So I also was like, I probably won't ever do this. How much did you tell him? What what was your price? So I I said 600. 600. Is that normal? I don't know what the pricing is. I have no fucking clue. I have no fucking idea. I have no fucking clue. (laughs) I'm like totally clueless with pricing. Yeah. And and I don't know. I just don't think I'll ever do it because I think it's technically illegal. And if I ever like... Well, prostitution is illegal in Utah, but if you go to Nevada, it's not. Oh, maybe I should go to Nevada. I'll be like, let's go in a car in Nevada, and then I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, like meet me at fucking the border of Nevada. Yeah, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it. Um, that's like pretty much it there. Uh, tomorrow I do. Oh, tomorrow I'll have another update for y'all. Tomorrow yes. I'm doing water sports. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did I not tell you yet? No. I, yeah. Oh no, yeah. Tomorrow I'm hooking up with a guy, and we're gonna fucking try water sports for the first time. So fuck yeah. I'm Sweet, excited. Corey. Yeah, so I'm gonna drink like a shit ton of water when I wake up tomorrow. Sick. <laughs> That's fun. And we're also gonna have crazy ass sex, and he's fucking hot. Like, oh my gosh, show me a picture. Yeah, where's my fucking phone right now, Simone? That's okay, a, no. that's a Simone, She's like, not a phone. Excuse me, that's me. Here, yo, Channel, look at this guy. I literally Harry. was like, almost t- typed him. Are you sure? Because <laughs> he's fucking fucking. Hot. You show me a picture of like hot Logan. I'm like, no, what? <laughs> this guy is hot, Channel. I was like, bam, okay. I'm so excited. Um, is it this? No. Is it through this app? <laughs> you know, it, it's on, it's on Grinder. Here, let me go on Grinder. I'm so excited. Because, duh, Grindr, duh. Oh, yeah, this is him. You show me, like, a penis pic. I'm like, ha, Oh, <laughs> my. What the fuck? Y'all, bulging pecs. Oh, like, my. muscular, but not just about He's like just a little bit too much muscular. Yeah, he's very muscly. Yeah, but he's like ridiculously. Yeah, he's like a teeny hot. bit. He's a tad bit too big, but he's a big guy regardless, so it fits. Yeah, beautiful scruff. He's and like all beard. muscles and all hair. Oh, and he's just his hair and muscles and his have fun nips, tomorrow. So. Yeah, Corey, I'm so super excited. Anyways, <laughs> how's your sex? And life? so we just were like slowly. I was like, yeah, so choking, and he was like, yeah, and I was like, okay, great. And then he was like, and, and then I was like. He's like, well, what are you into? I was like, oh, well, I would try stuff like water sports or leather stuff. And he was like, oh, dude, I've wanted to try water sports. Let's do it. And I was like, cool. Ah, that's so it. fun. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for you tomorrow. Yeah, and then I was a slut. And then I also have something that I'm going to do on Sunday with a couple. And then something with Law Daddy on Monday. And then something <gasps> yes. with Kevin from the C- Cafe Rio on Tuesday. Oh, my God. You're out. You're, okay. <laughs> so I'm horned out, y'all. <laughs> Corey's next four days is very eventful. But it's but it's scruff and grinder. So, like, two of those will happen. That's true. Yeah. Oh, except for the, the Daddy Law thing will happen for sure. I, and I hope that the water sports happen. So, yeah, I hope the water sports happens tomorrow, That's y'all. a good like, podcast story. Everybody cross your fingers. Oh, you won't hear This will already happened by the time you hear this. So, retroactive fingers crossed, guys. Yeah. You know, pray to... Send me your thoughts and prayers. Pray to your past gods. Yeah. Pray to right Satan. Pray, pray to Satan. Jonathan. Pray to Beyonce. 
Jonathan's hoping you get water sported. Yeah, I hope he. Yeah, he he knows. He hopes. Right now he's like, ooh, water sports. Yeah, he's like, ooh, queen. He's like, (laughs) like, I believe in you. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's my sex life basically. Uh, What else happened this (laughs) this week? Um, did we get see, did we see a movie that was interesting? Not, I'd know. <laughs> I saw Captain Marvel. I don't think I did either. Yeah, it was eh, right? Eh, it's not, Chris told me he played it so it was going to be like a lot worse than what I thought Yeah, he lowered your expectations. So yeah, my Good. expectations were so low when I went Good. in. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you probably super enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was as good as i think they should it could have been uh-huh. but i don't think it's nearly as bad as what chris said it was because chris sent my ex because he's like oh it's like a 90s superhero comedy yeah but when i watched it because my expectations were that i was like oh it's just like a marvel comedy superhero movie that's based in the 90s it's just weird and the directing with her acting is weird and brie larson is a beautiful actress so i feel it's the director's problem and there yeah. were two different directors so that also could be a reason that there's a problem yeah and i th- i think they try to push the 90s stuff a little too hard like the blockbuster was perfect and like the music was great because the music was still 90s but it, the, some of the music didn't fit yeah it's just um it was weird there's the tone it shifted so much it was weird yeah they could they just needed to like agree i i think it was it was fun though it was a fun yeah, movie it's a superhero definitely movie. fun definitely and it's fun. definitely not the worst i've seen like i've seen suicide squad and it's not even nearly as bad yeah, as never that seen the only dc th- thing i've seen i don't even know i haven't even seen wonder woman yet wonder woman's good no i know i need to it's see that good yeah i just haven't seen it yet um it's yeah there's no way the sequel will be as good <laughs> as the first one. Oh no yeah. it's so because it, it's the first superhero movie i've ever really watched where i was like oh my god this is like a mainstream woman superhero that's not yeah. sexualized like no me yeah that's what it was Makes really sense. cool for me to watch that because like growing up like i always watched sailor moon and like sailor moon is a big part of who i've become but um, it wasn't like a mainstream superhero, and like she is still, she's a fourteen-year-old girl, and she's still sexualized. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is Japanese anime, so like, the girls are always sexualized. You know, big titties, like oh, big sentai titties. cream pie, like that type of stuff. But um, Wonder Woman's a good one to watch. Nice, but um, Captain Marvel's eh. Yeah, I don't think I've really watched anything. I-, I can't like this week. I don't remember. Worked. Yeah. I have no idea what happened Tuesday through Thursday. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> like, I didn't really do much. So sorry, y'all. Boring week. Just, like, working. I had Deal. really great sex this week. Nice. That actually, like, I will have really good sex about this weekend. six hours ago, like, Jordan was, like, bending me over yes. in, like, the bathtub. Yeah. Like, oh, the bathtub. Fucking me wild. Because our bedroom window and blinds were all the way open. Mm, but Jordan's been like all over me because he's like the sweetest person in the world and thinks I'm wonderful in every way. Mm-hmm. So, like, we just are like, he like threw me into the bathroom, slammed the Shit. door, and started making out with me, like put me Did on the bathroom. Did you trip and like scene. bruise yourself as he fell? It, like, it oh. was. There's bruises all over his body. There's bruises yes. all over my body. And like we made out in the sink. Then he like pushed me over the edge of the bathtub. I like bruised all over my knees. He's just like, I, yeah. I was like a pretzel, like folded in half. That's how you do it. And then we came, we fucked on this couch. And then we went. We, <laughs> we, yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. It, we fucked twice. Nice. And like, we, it, you know, it was like two hours of pure fucking. Yeah, yeah. It was super great. Sex has been wonderful. Sex is great. Top notch. Let's see. Any other updates? Simone's still very sad about Toulouse passing away. Same here. I took a Xanax at Red Robins. That's not, that's where I'm at. Saw Captain Marvel. Working a bunch. Uh-huh. We're gonna go see Pet Cemetery this week. We'll see if I have to zanny up. Oh yeah, for it. Pet Cemetery. 
Y'all again, Letterkenny is great. Loving Letterkenny. And the most important thing, though, that happened this fucking week is we got a release date for Conjuring <laughs> for fucking 3. Conjuring 3. Ah! Whatever you do, you gotta stay. I'm like true. lactating. I'm so no, excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, I think ah! it's, it was August something 2020. It's September 11th. No, September 11th. Yeah, September 11th, 2020. Yeah. Corey and I are going to dress up. He's going to yep. be Ed. I'm going to be Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine. That's what we're doing for reals. Like, we're doing it. Corey's going to yeah. shave. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm going to shave. And what do I need to do? Sideburns? God Sideburns, damn. shave. Okay, I'll do it. I need to dress like Lorraine. It'll we're doing it. will grow back in five weeks. It's fine. We're doing it. Four weeks maybe now. We're fucking doing it. Because it's the Conjuring Three, everybody. And did you yeah, see the yeah, an- new yeah. Annabelle trailer? Yes, I think they're gonna they're gonna be in it yes! for a bit. Because it's their freaky daughter. We always yeah. knew their freaky daughter was gonna get something. It looks like they're gonna find a way to where they only have to had they only had to have them on set for like a day or two. Yeah, so they're just like the beginning so scene, be like, and the last. Hey, we're scene. going out of town. Good luck with all yeah. the demonic shit. But we always knew. Since the Conjuring one, but specifically the Conjuring two, we always knew the freaky daughter was going to, was going to get her oh, own yeah. movie. Oh yeah, it's cool that's an Annabelle movie. Especially because she just saw fucking Valak in a hallway. If I was fourteen and I saw fucking Valak in a hallway, I would kill myself. I'd be like, Mom and Dad are in a spooky. I'd shit. be like, Y'all, what are like, what is life? I don't want this. But anymore. I'm, I'm like. I was like giddy when I was watching the trailer. Yeah, I, was, I was like excited. ridiculously excited. So yeah, Annabelle looks good because and we need to see Annabelle. You need to watch Annabelle Creation because Annabelle Creation is actually pretty good. Not really good, but it's pretty dang good. Yeah. And in, relative to the first Annabelle, it's really good. And we have the new James Wan film that's coming out in like a month. The yes. La Llorona. Uh, La Llorona, yeah. And then, so Pet Cemetery this week. La Llorona is actually next week. It's next week already? Uh, it's, the four, it's the 14th, I believe, yeah. Shit, then we have Avengers. Yes. And then we have Avengers because fuck yes. And then also Game of Thrones comes out the 14th. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um. So I think La Llorona, I'm pretty sure it comes out like the, the 12th. And it has my actress who I love, the girl who was in Freaks and Geeks. and. Oh, really? She's in it? The She's like the main girl in Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, yeah. Her. I love she's her. She's in La Yorona. She's also she's a Hawkeye's wife. Most importantly, she's Velma and Scooby Doo. This is true. <laughs> live Actually, action. Actually, I was too old for that. Your that was your age. That was. Yeah. I will watch. I was I like, fuck that shit. It's stupid. So when I had stomach cancer for a bit, mm-hmm. I didn't really have stomach cancer. We just say I did. But yeah. when I had stomach cancer, I was like super fucking gone on like hydrocodone yeah. and like crazy amounts of painkillers. And um, I turn on like the Scooby Doo live action movies, and they're like the only thing that got me through the day. <laughs> Cause I was like, thank you, Scooby Doo live action. Apparently, there is a movie called Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, and it's I've seen animated, it. and it's supposedly like one of the best animated movies ever like uh, spooky animated movies that we need to see my favorite scooby-doo animated movie is the one with the hex girls and if you don't know what i'm talking about fuck you it's the best scooby-doo movie are ever. they a band yeah yes it's okay the hex they, girls. and they show up and in they do a lot of cameos you. in the race ones you know where they get those all those old cartoons together and they put them with scooby-doo and they yeah. have different races yeah they show up in one of those they are that's how i know them the Hex Girls, it's like my favorite Scooby-Doo. It's actually one of my like favorite childhood memories. Because when I was little, I watched The Hex Girls, and I Cute. thought to myself, oh my god, I can be a badass You're punk like, princess. You're a fucking badass witch. Yeah. So that's, and you can be. And I got into Wicca shortly thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> and then Demons. And then New Pew and Wicca. The Scooby-Doo is wonderful. But Sex Life is great. Game of Thrones is coming out. Very excited, obviously. Avengers, I am weirdly ecstatic about <laughs> if you asked me a year ago i'd be like fuck you future cory but i don't know why i'm just like crazy excited because ant-man's gonna save the day by going to thanos's ass yeah bitch yeah bitch <laughs> i'm very excited everything's great mm-hmm. episode 23 
is right now. Oh, oh, we are going to be doing some very exciting episode 25 and 26 is going to be super fun for you guys. Yes. I don't know if we're going to tell you. We've yet. already said it like 20 times. We're doing Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that'll coincide with the release of shockingly vile, deliciously wicked, hot as the fuck Zac Efron. Zac Efron. Ted Bundy fuck me movie. Yeah. So we're excited. 20, it, it comes out on May 3rd on Netflix. So we will be releasing two episodes of Ted Bundy. That's going to be episode 25 and then 26. And, 26. and, and that'll then be we, like the two weeks leading up to the release of it. It's the foreplay for you. Oh, you know what? Actually, the first the first epi- the first part of Ted Bundy comes out the Monday before the May 3rd Friday. I already looked this up. And then the second episode comes out the Monday after. So it's perfect. So, so it's the foreplay can, Yeah, we can foreplay. We can flick your bean and then you can climax and then we can do second roundsies with that. Totally. Second roundsies. We're like your sloppy seconds. Yeah. So we're excited. So get excited because we are going. I mean, Ted Bunny's our favorite serial killer. Yeah. I love him. (laughs) He is so horrible. (laughs) No sugarcoating it. And no sugarcoating it. Let's get real here. We realize the controversy with that, but we don't give a fuck. But that's our podcast. (laughs) Our podcast is one big controversy. We don't give a fuck. (laughs) But he is hot. He's he's evil and hot. Did I literally? Oh, we'll wait. We'll wait. I already told you this, but we'll wait, and but I'll tell you later. It's just like Lucifer. Like Lucifer, you know, is hot. Mm, there's no time, way Satan's not hot. Every uh, the only time Satan is not hot to me is there's an episode. There's a TV show in the mid 2000s called Scorched. Uh. Um, and the the Satan was the dad in Twin Peaks. Oh, who is also bald? Oh, blah, blah, blah. he's Leland. Yeah, does in Twin Peaks. Uh huh. Good yeah. actor. Good he's a actor. great actor, and he plays the devil very well, but he's not attractive. Oh, he's super uggo. Yeah, he's not attractive at all. Ugh, Twin Peaks. But his eyes are really good to be Satan. He has really good bulging, like, It's like when Tim Curry was eyes. Satan, because he's, like, his eyes are so, like, mm-hmm. it's all about the eyes. That's, when I took acting classes, they always said it's in your eyes. They're like, mm. if we don't see it in your eyes, we don't believe it. They're like, oh, shit. they're like, a good actor, we could cover the your entire face except your eyes, and if we could feel what you are trying to say through your eyes you're a good actor oh clay benchett well exactly that's what i think about all your good actors like you always Mm -hmm. really think about their eyes like you always that's what you look at is their Mm -hmm. eyes and you see like the pain or the sorrow or like the slight squinty when they're happy things like that it's all in their eyes acting 101 with anyways or sex life life. anyways send us 50 dollars because that that class right there that china gave you yeah daddy yeah um so anyways how's your sex life. Ah. Bye. Bye guys. See you next week.